Hello, Internet. This is Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott alongside Miles Nye today, filling in for Mike. Mike has been consumed by Mayari Tribesman. He'll be back next week. Miles, how you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. How about you? I'm wonderful. Um, so great to have you. The original plan was it would be you and me and Mike, but bum diddly just dropped the episode a day late. Major blindside. So what are you going to do? Well, uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your unique background in games before we get started. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard you speaking with uh, Rob Sesternino on his podcast, but for those who haven't or who have forgotten you, and who could forget you, Miles and I, uh, you want to fill them in on your background? Uh, I live here in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm a game designer. Uh, I have uh, my own business called Wise Guys Events, and we create real-life games of all different kinds. We create uh, team building programs for corporate clients. We do games at festivals. I was just in New York a couple of weeks ago at the Come Out and Play Festival, um, uh, demoing a game that I made up with my partner, Greg. It's called Rose Macbeth. It's a blindfolded knife fight in a graveyard. Uh, And then uh, being in LA, that game work has led me to some TV consulting jobs. And foremost among them is I have worked for John Kerhofer, the challenge producer of Survivor. Um, My first season as a consultant was China, and I've worked most uh, seasons since then. And some ideas that I've contributed have been on Survivor as challenges. And uh, games is my hobby and my business and something I'm very enthusiastic and passionate about. And anybody who knows me knows that my favorite show is The Genius. It has supplanted Survivor. Um, I mean, Survivor is my favorite English language show, but my favorite show of them all is The Genius. And most people who know me are a little bit sick of hearing me talk about The Genius. And so that's why it's such a pleasure to be talking to you, Scott, and also to be participating in this uh, you know, blooming of the English-speaking community who watches the show. This wasn't the case even as recently as season three. Um, I, or maybe there was, uh, maybe I just wasn't plugged into the community enough yet. Uh, yeah, I, I know I was late on it. And it's, it's so weird because you watch the first three seasons. You know, so many of us just kind of shotgunned them and watched them in a, uh, in a row. And then right away comes season four, and it's already kind of hard to, to wait a week for each episode when so many of us were watching three and four a day as we get into the show. And then season four is going to end, and it's, it's uh, now what? Now what? So you want to give people your website in case they, they would like to hire you? Because you I, can I find me at, you enjoy working for money. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> if they'd like to give you some, they should visit. Uh, you should go to wiseguysevents.com. And you can learn more about uh, the work that we do there. And you can also go to milesnye.com. And that's M-Y-L-E-S-N-Y-E. My name has two Ys in it. Yeah, and that's that's really great being able to make a living doing your hobby. I mean, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm a professional magician. And it just doesn't feel like work when I'm working. So it's, uh, yes. it's a wonderful place to be. Uh, so um, you're, still, you're still consulting with Survivor, with Kerhoffer and everything? You know, that ends up I mean, being... I'm sorry. Are, are we going to get the tactical Nori immunity challenge anytime soon? Um, no, that will never happen. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I got a pin in that. We'll talk about that later. But I do want to pick your brain on tactical Nori. Sure, I got opinions. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. I know your opinions, and I, I'm, I want to hear why my opinions are wrong, and I'm going to defer to you on that. But we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to that later. First, I should give everyone the disclaimer that if you have not uh, caught up with the genius, this, this is about. Uh, 
episode seven of season four. So if you are not up to episode seven of season four of The Genius, come on back once you're ready. If you haven't watched the first three seasons, I have no idea why you're listening to this podcast. Watch them, then discover this podcast. If you are behind on season four, uh, this is your warning because we're going to be spoiling everything. Sound fair? You're all caught up. I know you're all caught up. You were ahead of everybody on The Genius. So when did you start watching? I started watching uh, right before season two began airing. Um, wow. How did you find out about it so early? Trip Payne. Trip Payne. Let oh, the, the crossword show. guy. I beg your pardon? He's the, he's the crossword guy? Yes. Trip Payne, a, cross, a national crossword champion, a multiple national crossword champion. Let the record show. Trip is the reason I watched The Genius. He got me into it. And, yeah, he uh, was on that uh, the documentary uh, whose name I, is is uh, eluding me. Right, he was. Uh, yeah, that's right. Trip was in the doc wordplay, and yeah. uh, I also know him because we both belong to the National Puzzlers League, where he goes mm-hmm. by the nom of Quake Quack, um, and I am Owler. Uh, it's a club for people <laughs> who salt. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah it's uh, all all my hobbies are pretty niche and and uh uh the national puzzles league is a club where we get together and solve puzzles and everybody has a nom de puzzle uh and trip goes by quake quack i think that's how you pronounce it, sounds, it. it's spelled with a lot of i mean it sounds fun just the yeah the the I'm, I'm, it reminds me of a poker player paul mcgrill who goes by quack quack 22 i don't remember the whole thing early days of world poker tour this guy who some math professor or something. So, um, but I can't. I that's 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 long ago now. That's like wow, like a decade ago already. More than that. Um, all right. So let's get to uh, episode seven here. Wait, but before uh, we before oh, we yeah, we is this um Scott? Are, do you have a background in poker? Are you a poker uh, player? A poker competitor? Yeah, I have some background in poker. Uh, in college, I made my spending money. Uh, so when I you know I wasn't doing a lot of magic shows then because the commute to Chicago was so long. Um, I made uh, basically my my college living playing internet poker, and after I graduated the summer before law school, I went out to Vegas for a few months. I played some events, the World Series, um, and uh, I I think I probably could have made like a living at poker, not a great living, um, but it it sort of turned me off to the idea of like sitting at a table and playing poker all the time. I, that wasn't for me, but I like poker still. I'm still pretty thoughtful about the game. Uh, I still like to play it, so I do have uh, I would say like. Uh, very advanced amateur um, at this point uh, would be how I describe myself, and that might be giving me too much credit, even. But yeah, I do have a poker background. Well, I'm so glad that I get to talk to you about this episode because I, I've played poker and I feel like I understand the game, or at least a, I, I have a lot of questions. And maybe with your background, you'll be able to help me answer them. Or we can, yeah, I have some know, some question. answers. I think. I mean, yeah, we'll get to it. But this the seed poker is not a lot like poker. Poker, it's yeah. There's some similarities to Hold'em, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. I do have some thoughts uh, on the game, but let's get started as the players enter the arena. It's Jinho and Kyungran first. Kyungran is hoping for open pass Jinho, and Jinho says, that's too hard. So, yeah, that, I recognize that moment as well. Like, I think the fans have been wondering when that Jinho is going to come back, and even he's saying, nah, don't get your hopes up for that. Like, oh no, is he telling us that his glory days are behind him? Yeah, kind of. We'll talk about uh, how poorly he played in this episode, but yeah. we'll get to that. Uh, enter uh, Jun Seok, Hyung Hoon, and Jung Moon. Jin Ho wants independence from Dongmin, but admits, yeah, when Dongmin comes in, I'm going to shake his hand and you know keep keep sucking up to him. Um, I really like what Jung Moon is wearing. Uh, she yeah, looks great. Even though I love it, even though her black and white reminds me of the game that defeated uh, Jung Hoon uh, twice. 
uh, in spite of in spite of that bitter memory, I still love her outfit. It's still impressive that he went one, two, and one at that game. That's not too bad for him. Uh, yeah. Then Dongmin and Youngmin enter, uh, and uh, to to just so there's no mystery, they come in uh, with their arms around each other, and Dongmin declaring that uh, they have arrived. So, you know, in case um, you, you were wondering if they're still working together, I I think they might be. We also spent time making fun of Jinho's uh, diction, which is always a great beat. I, I love these cold opens. There's such a, you know, they they end up being, uh, you know, a fairly small part of the show, but they're full of so much color and, you know, something delightful always comes out of them. I, I feel like, uh, you know, if you're the producers, right, you let them stand around that table and talk long enough, you'll eventually be able to edit into something that's going to foreshadow something coming in the episode. I mean, the players have no idea, but, you know, it's, it's monkeys on a typewriter. Like, give them enough time, they'll come up with something useful. Um, and, and so we pretty much always do. This was a week cold open. I, I, did, I wasn't quite sure what the hell they were talking about as we got to the theme music. Uh, there were some... I don't know that I necessarily agree that, I th- that it was a week cold open. Uh, I mean, there were some <laughs> great moments. We had the... Um, uh, Kyung Hoon says that he's going to open the Yun Sung Foundation, and we see a graphic with the seal of the of the charity that he's going to start. <laughs> and was... there's a couple. There's a couple good. I I've never done this before. I watched the episode, and as soon as it was over, I replayed it and watched it again because I wanted to be prepared to be a good co-host for your podcast. And so seeing the ending followed by the beginning really underlines some things like, um, you know, Jinho says he wants to make moves for himself in this game and he does. And it's quite to his detriment. Dongmin tells Kyung, uh, tells, uh, uh, Kyung Hun, um, uh, you know, enjoy being first. And then he ends up going to the death match. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll, we'll do a special podcast after the season where we rank all 48 cold opens. So okay, uh, uh, but <laughs> and then Dongman look forward to really, that, everybody. Dongmin has a really good line right before they go to the uh, uh, go to the credits, which is, "Oh, garnets are as good as age, after all." Uh, you know that's that's so typical of these like kind of wry, sardonic remarks that I hear from a lot of the characters on the show, and I love it. Like if I'm understanding that correctly, uh, you know, Kyung Hoon is uh, talking over him and telling Dongmin, his elder, uh, to be quiet. And listen to Kyung Ren. And uh, Dongmin is basically saying, oh, okay, because you have garnets, it's as though you're equal status to me who is older than you. You know, he means yeah, it's Kyung Ren is older than Dongmin. So he should have listened to Kyung Ren in the first place. Mm, yep. That, that's a really good point. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so we do the open credits. We find out the garnet count. Kyung Hoon in the lead with 17, thanks to the, uh, the Yunsung Foundation. Kyung Ren, Dongmin, Hyunmin, and Jinho each have 10. Jungmoon and Junsek each have 6. But that doesn't matter today because there's, well, it, it could potentially matter, but uh, it winds up not mattering at all because the yeah. Garnets don't buy you an advantage in the game unless you get really low on chips and nobody even came close to that point. And I don't think, and we'll talk about this in, a little bit later, but I don't think that this game is ever going to get to the point where someone's digging into their Garnets. I, I just don't think mm-hmm. the bets are ever going to get that big. So we'll, we'll get to that, but let's go through the rules of seed poker, first of all. And uh, I'll do my best to keep this as simple as I can. This, this was one that I immediately watched the instructions twice because I, I, it was, it's one of those where you're staring at the screen going, what? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there are 15 cards numbered 1 through 15. Each player also starts with 15 chips. And each round, each player gets a single whole card. The, uh, and the, the first seed card is turned up. In turn, players rotate rounds who goes first. 
in turn, players decide if they want to add a new card to the seed card uh, to the seed card area, or if they want to draw a card. If you draw a card, you gotta you gotta discard one face up that goes in the trash. Anytime there are more than three seed cards, the lowest one also goes to the trash. So, at any given time, you've got you've got one to three seed cards. By the end of the round, you've got uh, anywhere from five to seven cards in the trash. Uh, then each player anties one chip and decide in turn whether they want to fold or bet. The first better sets the bet amount for the round because there's no raising, and you can either call the bet or you can fold. Uh, then seed cards are assigned in order. The highest seed card goes to the better with the lowest whole card and so forth until all the seed cards are given out. You add up the, your whole card with the seed card you've got. Uh, if you don't have a seed card, it's just your whole card, and whoever has the highest value wins the round. Got it? Good. No? All right, well, then rewind and play it again. That's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I think that the, uh, the no raising was something that I missed on my first uh, time around. And, um, yeah, they, they uh, kind of tease with, like, oh, you may end up spending garnets, but then it never happens. And I think you're right. Because you can't raise, it never seems likely to get close. Which is well, kind of raising. also reminds me of in um, Fish Shop, where they were like, hey, you know, if you end up with more than $30, you can have a garnet. And the winner had, like, $8. So the thing about, the thing about raising that, um, you know, you, you really can't let them raise because uh, two players could trap a third player by raising back and forth by one chip. Um, you know, that you could essentially um, get, put someone in a position where, uh, you know, they're, you get them in for a little and it turns out they're in for a lot. It's, it's like um, the, the poker analogy would be in like Limit Hold'em, which is a game that is almost dead now. There's a limit to how many raises you can have in a round um, because it keeps, it, it keeps players from, uh, from colluding uh, by, you know, if it's three players and one of them has, has a lock hand, uh, the, you know, his, his buddy can help him raise it up. Uh, over and over and over again and trap the third player who has a you know maybe a medium strong hand and the the corollary to that is like you know you could collude to if you don't have the best hand to force someone out who has a better hand but also not the lock hand the example for poker people would be like if you had the dry ace where a flush would be the nuts uh, you would know that that nobody could have the nuts uh, and you could use a play like that to uh, with again with a partner to force out a third player does that make any sense to you if I knew nobody could have nuts, I'd probably flush also. <laughs> right, right. Okay, good. So I think the raising thing um, I'm uh, fine with makes sense it. to me. Yeah, so that's fine. The, the only problem with it is is um, I think it gives too much power to the first person to put a chip in, and we'll talk about how that fits into the strategy. Um, but my first thought on this was that basically to avoid losing the game, all you have to do is win one round because the winner of the, of the match is the person with the most chips, the loser is, is the person with the fewest chips at the end. Um, and because we play exactly seven rounds and there are seven players, if anybody wins two rounds, there's not enough other rounds for everybody to win one. So if you can just win one round, you're going to avoid losing. And that's the first thing that happens is Kyung Ran wins the first two in a row. So there's definitely going to be, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, the other players know that one of them may, is going to lose. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, it, essentially, that some at least one person's not going to win a single round. And in fact, uh, three players don't win a single round. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but basically, just win one round. So to that end, I think basically you should generally feel pretty free to bet one chip and see what happens in any single round. Any player who wins zero hands will still lose to you if you, if you win one round. So uh, basically, players who don't win a round, the most they can have at the end of the game is eight chips. That's the most you can have because you, you have to ante up uh, one chip every round. There's seven mm-hmm. rounds, 15 chips. You want it with eight, right? So 
players uh, who win a round essentially get a refund on their seven antes because you get seven chips for that. Plus, yeah. you get whatever else was bet. So the the worst case scenario if you win around if you just win around when nobody else puts a puts a chip in the pot um, if if the the worst case scenario is that you're up six chips on where you started you essentially start with twenty one chips instead of fifteen so even betting a chip each other round um, you'd still uh, wind up with uh, with a lead on any player who didn't win a single round no matter what they did that makes sense uh, if yeah. you if you win even a single round and you never bet more than one chip on any other round. Um, aside from the ante, you never you never put in a bet of more than one chip. You can't lose to a player who has never won a round. Right, and there will be a player who has never won a round because uh, because somebody won more than one. Right. Well, I mean, in this case, it happened immediately, but it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to envision um, any iteration of this game where everybody wins exactly one round. That seems that seems, uh, seems pretty yeah, unlikely. It seems the least likely. Yeah. So so yeah. So once yeah, you it's won also, one, then, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Go ahead. You win any round, and you know that you're not going to be the loser. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. I mean, unless you're unless you're calling a huge bet incorrectly, uh, you know, you you've got a, then you've got a problem. But the other thing is that this makes it almost impossible to go for a joint win. Last week we had a five way tie for the win. This week you you really can't. There's it's, there's too much luck of the draw uh, for everyone to get the same exact chip count. It's it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So um, the other thing that I discovered about this game: the lower your hole card the fewer seeds you want. So like, yeah. Okay. Talk, talk me through that as though you were speaking to a child. So, okay. The lower your whole card is, uh-huh. the fewer so the whole card is the card, card is your, is your face down card. That's the card that you're dealt that no one else knows what it is. Right. So the lower that card is the fewer card, the fewer seed ca- cards you want uh, added. So uh, the most seed cards there can be is three. So anytime there's, there's a fourth seed card, the lowest seed card is discarded. Right. So, uh, the more seeds there are, the less variance. The more condensed the numbers will be towards the big numbers. So, uh, uh, which means there's there's less room for small hole cards to catch up to bigger ones that have called uh, a bet at the end and, and get a seed. So, for example, um, let's say you have the two card, right? You have the two card. Oh, because I'm would... Jinho. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, we saw that again from Junsak when he got the second position. All right, so yeah, let's say you have another, the two card. That's another running bit that I love, that Kong is always two. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> they just never lay off him on that. Even though he won the game, he's the genius god or whatever. Yeah. All right, so you have the two card. Consider two different boards. Which one do you like more? Do you like the board that is 15, 14, 13? Or do you like the board that is 15, 6, 1? Which board do you like better? I like 15, 6, 1 better. Right, because the, the next person to get a seed card is going to get a lot less help than they would in the first case. Let's say that the one card is in the trash in the first case, the 15, 14, 13. Right, so you have the two card. You know you're getting the fifteen, but unless the next person you get a seed card is a three, you're going to lose. If the yeah. if the four card gets the fourteen, they've got eighteen points and they beat your seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more the more seed cards are added, um, the 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 more they're going to be condensed at the top um, because the the lowest one always gets discarded. So once you have a fourth seed card, you you can't have a one in the amongst the seed cards. Once you once you've had five cards put in the seed pile. They're, the one and the two can't be in there. And every time it just gets a little uh, more likely that the numbers are closer together and higher up. So um, the lower your whole card, the fewer seeds you want so you can increase that variance. And the higher your whole, your whole card, the more seed cards you want um, to uh, reduce the variance. So that if you do get, if you do wind up getting a seed card, it's going to be one that's, that's more likely to, to help you uh, 
that's that's going to be closer to the seed card than someone with a lower hole card would get. Scott, I have another question. Yes, I yeah. Go ahead. What does the word variance mean? Okay, so um, uh, are you asking for yourself or for a friend? I'm asking for myself. I hear yeah. that word Dom and Collins say it a lot, and I don't really sure. know. I guess I could look it up, but I'm asking you instead. No, it's it's a good question. Yeah, variance is very is a very important idea. So variance, um, like if you if you uh, roll a die, like a regular six sided die, a um, hundred times, right? The average you're going to get is three and a half because each each of the six outcomes is equally likely on a on a fair die, um, and you know the more the more times you roll it, the closer the average is going to get to three and a half. Right? Yes, but Scott, you forget I'm playing God's judgment, so I can make these dice come up with any number I want. That's going to be eleven every time, and you don't need the second <laughs> chip. But when you try to throw it away, Dealer Hong is going to smack you down and make you put it on the twelve. So yeah, um, but yeah, but you you understand how that a fair die is going to average out to three and a half. Yeah. Um, but the fewer times you roll it, the the further from the the less likely it is that you get three and a half as your average, right? Okay. Uh, variance variance basically means that like the 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 likelihood that you're going to be away from the average within any given set of of repetitions, of iterations. So, um, uh, like when you roll two dice, right? The average outcome is seven, and seven should be the one that comes up the most. So if you're playing craps. And you're you're rolling the dice a thousand times. You're going to have more sevens than anything else. Seven should come up a sixth of the time, right? Um, yeah. With two fair dice, seven seven comes up a sixth of the time. But if you roll two dice six times, variance tells us that uh, you you probably won't get a seven because the odds against it are are five sixth every time. Or you could get two sevens, or you could get all sevens. I mean, you don't know. But the more times you do it, the lower the variance. The closer. Uh, the the percentage of sevens gets to the true odds of rolling a seven. So the higher the variance, the the more likely it is you won't get the average result. Oh, okay. So that explanation plus context helps. Thank you. Okay. Let's see what the dictionary says. Let's see. Define variance. And this is going to blow me away. It's going to it's going to completely waste the last like three minutes of this the fact well, of quality of being different no that's not it the, what dictionary are you using i just put in google i said define colon variance not well, define can, colon because i know what that is hang on we can do better hold on all right a quantity equal to the square of standard deviation there you go that's what it is a quantity equal to the square of the standard deviation if that doesn't explain it to you then uh let's do better <laughs> what are you looking at what are you looking up Oh, I, I don't have to. I won't if you don't want me to, but I have the Oxford English Dictionary. I can look it up. No, that's fine. Go, go ahead. But uh, yeah, it might, it might be a nice compact definition that, that won't help too much. We'll, we'll see. I'm curious. All right, hold on. Let's see what I the Brits think. Variance. All right. Um, while we wait for Miles, I will think of the tune of uh, Girl from Ipanema in my head uh, while I wait. I can't actually in your head. Or, oh, I get it. or this go podcast ahead. will get taken down okay, because okay. Uh, that is not in the public domain. Oh man, that's a lovely version. I'm imagining the Sinatra version. Okay. Variableness, varicosity. Is it all right that I'm reading out loud for the dictionary? She is tall and tan and young and lovely. But if I say any more, I'm going to get sued. Okay. Uh, Variance. Yes? No. Maybe? Where does it start? 
Do you have the full like twenty volume OED, or do you have the? I have the kind uh, that's compacted into one volume with a uh, powerful magnifying glass. Oh, all right, but it, it is the full one, the full dictionary. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, the first definition is the fact or state of undergoing change or alteration, tendency to vary or become different. Variation. Okay. It's a very idyllic definition. Right, but that sort of gets into it, like the idea that um, that you you have the higher the variance, the less you can expect a specific outcome when it comes to to random occurrences. Yes, yeah, that's a more idyllic way of putting it. There's a lot more here, but perhaps we should discuss the genius, and I'll read the dictionary later on my own time. I don't know. I think people really enjoy hearing you read the dictionary. It's very common. <laughs> Not much of a plot, but the author has a great vocabulary. <laughs> that's a very the zebra old did it. All right. Um, so I, I had another question for you as, as Mr. Game Designer. And if you're not a poker person, maybe this isn't the question for you. But uh, I was wondering, should there be more than 15 cards total? Uh, it, it allows for more believable bluffs. I mean, every card is out there. You know which cards are seed cards and which cards are in the trash. That's eight of the cards. You know what card you have. That's nine of the cards. So there's only six cards you don't know. And ostensibly, you're working with people. If you trust them... Uh, you know what their cards are. You know, let's say you have an alliance of four people. There's three cards you don't know, but if there's, but you know exactly what those three cards have to be, right? You know that all the cards are accounted for except like the nine, the three, and the one. Um, so that's that's a ton of information. Would the game be more interesting if there were twenty cards and five of them were out of play? Or if it was a game like like uh, uh, the negative auction, the minus auction, where one of the one of the numbers is taken out of play? You know, where you're you're not sure. Uh, you know, that you have maybe three players whose cards you don't know, but there are eight numbers that are unaccounted for. Would that make a better game? Well, I think it's a good idea, but you're right that it seemed there was a lot of, this is a game ostensibly about hidden information, but most of the information was public. I mean, there was one instance, and I think it was like the fifth round where Dongman really wanted to know if Jinno had three or 15 and then, uh, you know, they threw a couple of garnets at him and he told them. So it ended up being sort of like betting rock, paper, scissors, that it's a game where there could be some hidden information. But the way the players usually play it is all the information is made public. And while that wouldn't change if there were 20 cards in the deck instead of 15, your point about more uh, bluff opportunities, I think, is spot on. So, yeah, I think that would have been good. Now, I have a theory about this. Um, my theory is that the producers originally tried the game that way with extra cards, and something about it in practice didn't work out. And the reason I think that is that the design of the, of the playing surface, uh, the, the box, the discard box for the trash cards, was way bigger than the maximum seven cards that could ever be in there. So I think, I think maybe they did try that, and that's why the trash was so much bigger than it needed to be. Uh, because because Dealer Hong was was very good about making sure the cards were all aligned next to each other on the on the side of the trash closest to her, so you wouldn't need that much space there. So my theory is they'd already ordered and printed up the the top of that table, and production was like, well, we don't want to spend the money to change it, even though we've changed the rules for our game. So I think maybe that's something they tried, and it just didn't work when their dream team ran it. Uh, that's a a good theory, and you bring up a couple things. Uh, that uh, I'm glad you uh, addressed those items because it brings up the design of the game materials 
How about the big G representing 10 on the cards, 10 through 15? That was good, huh? That was that was good. Not as good as the word seed being in English for some reason. I, I never know why they do that, but every single time they've got a like a poker table surface or something, you, you always get the English letters or words. Open pass being another good example. Uh, yeah, and the trash icon was cute. Um, and there yeah, was, it was something that, off my desktop. Uh, yeah, I had the same reaction. And there was the back and forth over: is it the trash or is it the rubbish bin? And I just thought, oh my gosh, what like a what a nuanced translation. I mean, Bumdiddlyumchus is truly a talented, miraculous, and quite mysterious person. Bumdi's Twitter icon is now has reverted back to the egg. What are we to make? Is is Bumdi Tape Watcher from the uh, old uh, Follow the Star thread? Are they the same person? I think it's Bandage Young. I think Bumdiddlyumchus is Bandage Young. Oh, that is a great theory. Yeah. We're all being sucked in, too. We're, like, on the opposite side. We're, um, uh, we're actually what Bandage Young is watching. You think he's watching the game, but he's not. The game is watching him. He's watching us. Um, up is down. Down is up. South Korea is North Korea. And that's why Kim Jong-un is playing under the guise of Jun Sao. Cats and dogs living together. Total chaos! <laughs> so, uh, the players draw their, their numbers to play the game. Uh, we have number one, Jungmoon, number two, Jun Sayak, who says, I'm Jinho! Yeah. Three is Dongmin, four is Kyunghoon, five is Hyunmin, six is Kyungran, seven is Jinho. The players work out their their alliances, their ways to communicate. Jun Sayak and Jungmoon come up with a good idea. They're going to communicate their numbers using their fingers in a secret binary code, uh, which which would be really great if it weren't that like everyone knew they were working together and they could have done what the other players did and just tell each other what they have. Everybody does that to everybody. They're all just walking. Like there are several clever methods that people come up with to communicate things to each other. But then, really, anything that anybody needs to know, they just discuss with one another. Yeah, they're sitting so, next to each other. Just, just tell each other. You know, yeah. lean in. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Dongmin Hyun and Jinho and Kyungran talk about working together. Jinho is non-committal, which, as we know from watching Survivor, uh, watching Big Brother, if we'll admit to it, that when someone is non-committal about working with you, they're working against you. Yeah, what I had the same reaction. I was thinking it in terms of Survivor. What possible benefit is it for Jinho to say, no, I won't commit to you, when he could just as easily say, I'll commit to you, and then be like Jun Sok, and when it comes time for his turn to do anything helpful, go, nah. Uh, I mean, that's not who Jinho is. Jinho, Jinho is struggling this season. Yeah, he's having trouble. And we'll talk about that later because – um, I think I was wrong in my analysis of Jinho. I've been giving him too much credit. I've been saying, well, Jinho is doing the Yoan thing. He's just sort of lying low. He doesn't need to be winning main matches. He just needs to not go to death matches. And now through seven episodes, along with Dongmin, he's the only person who hasn't. Uh, but, I, I but I, I, my opinion has changed. and We'll get into more of his when – we, when we get to his big bad move later in the episode, we'll talk about that. But yeah, I, I think I was wrong. And when we get to the winner rankings later, um, I have a brand new spot for him that I don't think he'll like. Because the game, uh, Seed Poker is a game where Jinho and Kyungren and Hyunmin are playing together. And they also happen to be sitting together. Jun Sok and Jung Moon are playing together, not because they particularly want to, but they seem tied to each other. They're on the outside of the other group. And they are also seated next to each other. And then it's season in my three. Opinion, if, you're, if you're not a friend of Dongmin, then somehow you're just going to be one of the people who goes every week. 
And then it seems to me, in my opinion, I'm curious to know what you think about this. These are the two sides. Dongmin is on both of them, and Kyunghun is on neither of them. <laughs> no, I see, sort of, Kyunghun is, he has taken on that Sangman role of, like, he can, he can get the information he needs, he can get the help he needs. Uh, he didn't have to lose this one either. We can talk about that. We'll, we'll get to that also. Um, but he... He's he's I think he's turned it around. I think he is more he's closer to the Dongman position of working with everybody than he is to to the opposite of that and working with nobody. So I, I disagree with that. Um, he falls we'll asleep during cool. the game. Eh, yeah, not not a great moment for him. Uh, also also when <laughs> has he, anyone, he has anyone when he threw the card back at the dealer well, it was also not a great moment. But I, I just since, think it's go ahead. Has anyone since Gura fallen asleep during a main match? <laughs> That's right. That's a great callback. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's he's got the soul of uh, he's got the soul of Sangman and the stamina of Gura, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, and he's falling asleep later, which is why he doesn't want Gil Hap, and why I thought he was probably in trouble with Sing Picture Hunt. Uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, not not a great one. But it's just it's about the other player's perception of him, right? Like he's still the clown, but that that helps him do the. Sangmany things that he's been doing. Last week we had a little bit of Sangman from him being the spy and pointing out that someone else was also a spy to take the attention away from him. Like he's he's put himself in a position where he's trusted. He was part of that big joint win last week. So I think I mean I don't think he's he's dead in the core of anything in the way that like Dongman is, but I also don't think he's really on the outside. I think he can work with anybody and nobody feels particularly betrayed if he's not working with them in any given week. So I think he's actually in a pretty decent position right now. So I, um, I think yeah. if Dongmin and Kyunghoon had drawn each other's seats and they were flip-flopped in the position where they were seated at the table, I think Dongmin plays the whole game with the other three, and I think uh, Kyunghoon is on the outside. I don't think Dongmin talks to Kyunghoon at all, if not for the fact that Kyunghoon is between Dongmin and Kyunghoon. I disagree. I think he still talks to Kyunghoon, but I definitely think he's not offering and he's table scraps to John Sayak and John Moon in that case. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think that, yeah, that, that I do think is based on something. But I still think he would have worked with Killington, again, especially after last week. So uh, yeah. in round one, uh, Dongman bets and tells Kyunghoon to fold, and Kyunghoon impishly, impishly calls the one chip. And here's the thing on the, on the rewatch, and I have this in capital letters. If Kyunghoon had folded, he and John Sayak would have tied for last place, or he would have been in a position to. He actually he, he called off another chip late in the game because he was already willing to lose. Um, but had he folded there, he would have at least been in position to tie for last place instead of being last place all by himself. So uh, what seemed like just like a fun little thing, oh, you told me not to call? I'm going to call because I'm Kyunghoon and I'm crazy. Well, it wound up mattering a lot. So, uh, whoops. <laughs> so you're saying every, if everything else plays out the same except for but for that one move, then uh, Kyunghoon and Jun Sok are tied for last place, which means that Dong Min can choose which one of them goes to the death match, right? Right. Um, and, uh, well, again, presuming that, uh, that Dong Min is still the winner in that case, yeah, he would get the choice. The winner gets to choose, and, you know, may- maybe it still could have been Kyung Hoon, but, like, I'd rather be tied for last place than in sole last place. I'd rather have a chance of not going to the death match than a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. So, as the first round plays out, Kyung Ran has 11, Kyung Hoon has 3, Dong Min has 15 as their whole cards. The seeds are nine and five. Now, here's the thing. Had Kyunghoon folded, Dongmin would have won the round. He would have, uh, his, his 15 would have gotten the second seed of five. He would have made a 20. Kyunghoon's 11 would have gotten a nine. She would have made a 20, and Dongmin would have won because Tai goes to the player who was first to act. 
but because Kyung-hoon had to stick his chip in there, he got the nine. Kyung-ran got the five, bumping her up to 16, and Dongman was stuck with no seed, finishing with 15 points. And just like that, Kyung-ran wins the first round. Wow, it's just so impressive to me that you can like do the calculations of if this hadn't happened, this would have gone to that. Like, I suppose if I slowly worked it out, I could do that. But it's just it's great listening to you talk about it. So good, good on you. Thank you. Yes, and and round two again, uh, we see Jinho is flat out telling Kyungran what to do. I mean, we see that she has full trust in him, and that he has a minion. You know, he's got someone who's willing to who's willing to do what he says, and he he knows it. So that is something that strengthens his position in the game. Well, don't uh, forget, two, she also has the ability to know that a card is a 15 seed before it gets turned over. She's a precog. Yes, yes. Uh, the less said about Minority Report, the fewer nightmares I'll have tonight. So, but all uh, kidding aside, <laughs> I agree with you that it seems like Kyungran is winning because she's getting good cards from the dealer and she's following Jinho's directions. Yeah, she gets a I great draw in the second round here because she gets a one, Jinho has a four, and the seeds are 15, nine, and two. Uh, the 14 has been discarded. The 14's in the trash. So uh, if Kyungran plays and Jinho plays, Kyungran's one is guaranteed to get the highest seed, which is 15. Jinho's four uh, would get the nine. Now, even if someone else, a two or a three, came in and took the second seed, the nine, um, they still couldn't get ahead of Kyungran's 16 that she gets for her one plus 15. So Jinho is locking out anybody else from winning because the third seed, a two, can't improve anybody over a 16. The 14 is gone. That's been thrown in the trash. So the 13 could at best get a 2, making a 15. Kyungran's 16 is a guaranteed winner. So uh, Jinho explains this to Kyungran. She's like, I don't know, what do I do? Do I fold? Do I play it? Uh, he explains to her, no, we, we've got a lock here. If you play and I play, then it's, a, it's an absolute guarantee that, that you will win. And, and that's her second win, and it puts her in the driver's seat to, to win the game, in pole position for winning this main match after just the first two rounds. And so here's Jinho, you know, grasping the, the rules of the game, to quote season one subtitle. And, um, you know, it's something we, st- we, we uh, skipped past is this game is one of uh, only a few where they've done a rehearsal first. And then after the rehearsal, voiceover explained to us that although Hyunmin won with his one over uh, Jinho's fitting two, actually of the last four players, any of them could have won. And, you know, the voiceover explicitly tells us this is a political game. So here you've got, you know, Kyungran politically succeeding in the game because Jinho has uh, understanding of it and is telling her what to do. But Kyungran's won two rounds at this point, and it's hard for me to be uh, excited about that because I don't see much of that uh, arginating from her. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm just generally not that excited to see her playing these games. I don't have anything against Kyungran, but uh, she's she's probably the least compelling TV out of the seven players in this episode, even though she's all along the, the favorite to win this match. So Yeah, um, I, I like now, season one. Yeah, for sure. And and now at the very least we know that, that somebody's not gonna win a round and anybody else who wins one is guaranteed not to be the loser if they don't do anything stupid. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's see, in round three uh, Round three is when Kyung Hoon starts to baby talk at the table. Like his subtitle is given a stammer, and then a little bit later he starts saying like uh, gibberish words. Uh, I I think that Kyung Hoon is when it comes to his comic stylings and interactions with the dealer, he is very much the poor man's dongmin. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, uh, he's the poor baby's dongman, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the round three, uh, Jinho takes one. Uh, everybody else folds, uh, and and Jinho. My notes here are incomplete, but we'll just say Jinho wins the round. He, he now does, knows he won't be in last place, which yes. actually, I don't know. I mean, if, 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 he, if Jinho is working to make Kyungran first, whom is she going to give a token of life to if not Jinho? Maybe since she does take the first two rounds, he would have been, I mean, you might, you'd certainly be able to tell better than I. Maybe he just should have tried to push her into first and have... Oh no, no, he couldn't have aimed to be last. But yeah, just push her into first and have her give him the token of life. Who else is she going to give it to? Right, right, right. So um, in round four, uh, Dongmin begins conspiring with Junsak and Jungmoon. Yeah, uh, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me because you know he's essentially working the four people he's now working with. Now that he's he, he's like he's like cast off the only two people who can't be the loser of the main match because he could still possibly lose. But let's say that he presumes he's going to win a round and he's not going to lose. He's somehow forming an alliance between the four possible losers of the game, it's got to be one of Hyunmin, Kyunghoon, Junsak, or Jungmoon if, if he expects to win around himself. So what is he doing here? Why is he forming that alliance? I mean, he does, in fact, win the round. Uh, yeah, I think that's what he's doing. I, I actually love this because this plays off a little bit later. Uh, it's, it's a great move, and this is the kind of move that uh, even if I don't get all the nuances of poker... I get it. Because what I said before about there being two sides and Dongmin, both of them. Dongmin turns to Jinho's side and is like, uh, I, I, well, okay, Dongmin turns to Junsok's side, which is really just Junsok and Jungmoon. And I, I'm not really counting Kyunghoon as, as being part of that team. Titty God, I'm not counting him as being part of that team. Um, but uh, Dongmin turns to Junsok and Jungmoon and says, uh, well, I'm going to make all of them fold and then it'll be down to one of us. Someone from this side so he gets all of them to fold and then once that's done he turns to his two and he goes okay i got all of them to fold now i need you guys to fold i need to win this one <laughs> or i won't share information with you in the next round um uh, it was so good um and then they did it and so he won and then we'll yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get into this but um you know jung moon rats them out immediately for no good reason that that's a bad move but then, yeah. Well, before yeah. that, before that, I want to I want to address something with the with the scores at this point because yeah. Kyunmin's still in the lead. She has twenty nine. Dongmin has eighteen. Jinho has seventeen. Now, this is important. Hyunmin and Jungmoon have eleven. Junsak has ten. Kyunghoon has nine. So for Hyunmin right now, um, the only outcome that's that's bad for him is Jungmoon, Junsak, and Kyunghoon being the exact three winners of the last three rounds. If that doesn't happen, the worst that he can do is tie with Jungmoon for last place. And if you tie for Jungmoon for last place. You have to figure, based on his political capital here, the potential winners are Kyungran, Dongmin, and Jinho. None of them are going to send you to the death match. They're going to, they're going to save you and send Jungmin to the death match. So if you're here, yeah. be careful. <laughs> be cautious at this point. So um, as, as getting back to what you're saying about Jungmin telling uh, Kyungran about Dongmin's offer to share Kyungran and Jinho's information, um, that's a pretty bad move. Pretty bad. It is, but wait, I want to talk wait a little bit about some of the actions in round four because this is the round where Dealer Nuna has her badass moment where uh, uh, Kyung Hun flips the car, uh, sails it over to her uh, face down, and she stops it and gives him the death look and gets the Kill Bill music and then throws it back at him. Um, 
She's got those uh, lightning reflexes. She stops the card as it's sliding across the table. But she has to have those skills because she tosses the coin and catches it with that weird open-palmed crisscross gesture. Uh, so I think those are the skills that allow her to catch the card before it falls off the table. Yes. That was very important. And then, okay, so I have some poker <laughs> questions about this round. Yeah. Um, okay. Kyung-hun discards a 14 in this game. Why would you do that? Four is the seed card. So I thought if you have a low card, you... What, what is the kind of player who, when there's a four as the seed card, and that's the only one, discards 14? What, what was the card that he kept? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't have that in my notes. Well, but, but like, I, what kind of card would you keep? If you're looking at 14, what, why would, what kind of card would you keep? Well, so uh, round four is is the round where Kyung Hoon is the first to act, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So if if the it doesn't really matter what he does there, like he's not playing in any case. Like he's got to hope that more, I guess, more seed cards come up. But like, let's say he presumes that um, the seed cards are he, he's first to act. I mean, he's he's what I'm trying to say is he's the first person who's going to have to decide whether he wants to bet or fold. And you have so little information at that point that generally you're you're going to fold. Um, because you know you're you're risking a chip with a fourteen that um, anyone else who comes to hand is going to be under you, and you're not going to get the seed card, and you're you're probably going to lose the round. So okay, that um, makes sense because Dongmin also tells Jung Moon there's no way to win with fifteen, and I I'm not at the level of understanding where I get why that is. No, you you could you can win a round with fifteen. I, I'd have to go back and look at the exact scenario, but that that didn't strike me as I was watching it. So. I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, at this point, then, you know, this was this was a political round. Round four was was just a political round. It was totally. hey, everybody let Dongwin win one, so there wasn't much need to think about what was going on. We'll get into more of the strategy of the math uh, in later rounds. What really does matter, in particular, in the sixth and seventh rounds. Uh, but uh, are you ready for round five? Well, because in between round four and round five is, as we were saying, that's when Jung Moon squeals on Dongmin and. She squeals on him. She goes to Kyung Ran and is like, so Dongmin said he's going to give us your information in this round. So she just, she fulfilled her end of the bargain, which is she folded. And she folded with a 15. So I don't know if she would have won if she stayed in. But Dongmin goes, I'm going to get information for the other team. You got to fold. Don't win this round. Meaning that Jung Moon is still in one of those spots that could be the loser. And then before she gets the quid pro quo, before she reaps any benefit of the sacrifice of the payment that she has to say to Dong Min, she goes and tells Kyun So she's received none of the benefit and looks like a traitor to both teams. I mean, I don't want to be overly mean to Jung Moon, but this move seems Sugar Kuiper-esque in its randomness. Wow, that's a, that's a great reference. Yes, it does. It does, in fact, seem Sugar Kuiper-esque. And it's like what the voiceover said at the end of the episode, that basically, like, you want to be a spy where both sides think you're their friend, but not the other <laughs> side's friend. You don't want to be a spy where both sides think you're the other side's friend, but neither side thinks that you're their own friend, which is the position that Jung Moon puts herself in again this round. Yeah. Again. Voiceover. Same as in the last game, where she did the same thing. She was a really bad spy for one team, and the other team knew it. What are you doing? Don't do that! If you're that bad at being a spy, just pick a side and, and try to win for that side. Scott, do you watch Community? Um, I've, I've seen some of it. There's an episode about conspiracy theories, and they talk about if you are conspiring with everybody, you're not part of a conspiracy. You're just doing random crap. Uh, 
and that appears to be i mean again i'm i'm not trying to be mean she's you know clearly got a great intellect but i think uh, you know voiceover guy nails it he's on point don't be a crappy spy uh, and that's don't one of the things spy. i like about voiceover guy as opposed to jeff editorializing at tribal council voiceover guy has seen a little more he's got a little more remove and also a voiceover guy doesn't seem to play favorites uh you know quite as much as jeff does um, like if you vote out somebody jeff really likes then as they leave his last words the tribal council are going to be kind of a bitch slap you um and uh voiceover guy really has kind of a more uh top level view of the genius so that's that's good um, i presume you're familiar with stratego uh, only a little. Okay. Well, Stratego, the, the spy, um, the, the spy can take out the general, who's the most powerful piece, but that's all that the spy can do. And if you use your spy for anything else, the spy is, is gone. And, and, you know, Jungmoon is a spy. She's the spy who's, like, attacking the wrong piece and getting herself killed. You know, she's the... <laughs> if you're a spy, like, you better take out the big guy, because if you don't take out the big guy, you're gone. Like, she, yeah. she's Stratego's spy is what she is. So, um, uh, something else that comes in between, uh, round four, uh, two, uh, between round four and round five, uh, Jun Sok does this great pivot. When Jung Moon walks into the room, their group of four has been talking about, or, you know, their, their group has been, uh, talking about, uh, getting Jung, Jung Moon to be the sole loser. And then she walks in the room and Jun Sok's like, all right, we better get rid of Kyung Ren. Like, it's a great pivot. <laughs> like, that's, that's just what you'd want to be able to do at Survivor. And the person you're talking about conspiring about walks up, change the subject and make it sound like you're conspiring against somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and an, that's another great exactly. social interaction is that finally after Dongmin makes this deal with Jungmoon, I'm going to give you information. Jungmoon goes to King Ren. Oh, Dongmin told us everything. Only after everybody talks to everybody else, do King Ren and Dongmin, the two people on the other sides of this gossip, talk to each other. And King Ren goes, you said you were going to give them our information. And Dongmin goes, yeah, but I only said that so I could win. And Kyungmin laughs like, oh, <laughs> Dongmin. And they go off to talk together to plan. It's like, Jungmin doesn't get Dongmin in trouble at all. She only gets herself in trouble. Right. Well, part of that is just that Dongmin is, like, he's too good for this game, at least socially. So Yeah, he's uh, great. Yeah, you're in trouble if you, if you oppose that guy. So uh, in round five, uh, Jinho tells Hyunmin he'd like Kyungmin to win another round, and this leads to some scrambling. Because uh, this is a, a terrible idea if you're Jun Seok and Kyunghoon. Uh, because after yeah. Kyunghoon wins this round and someone else wins round six, after, say, Jin Ho or, or Kyunghoon wins round six, there's only one round left for two players who each have fewer chips than Jungmoon. So if you're Jun Seok and, or, or Kyunghoon, you're not okay with this. You can't be okay with this. This is a terrible idea. And it's a bad thing for Jin Ho to say because he knows the plan. The plan right now. The plan. It's a great plan, even for him. The plan right now is that Hyunmin will win round five. Uh, Jun Sayak and Kyung Hoon will win round six and seven in some combination. Jung Moon will be last. Kyung Ran will remain the winner because no one else will get enough chips to overcome her. She will receive two tokens of life, one of which she will give to Jin Ho. Jin Ho will be safe. And that's Ooh. what happens. So we can skip right ahead to the death match when Jung that's... Moon is the sole loser. <laughs> yep, she plays herself in Gil Hap. She... <laughs> and it's a tie. So she gets to stay on to next week. She the episode is still on. the episode is still being recorded because she is still finding more gills. She uh, she will never stop finding them. Uh, no, yeah. So uh, he's he's on a path that is going to. I mean, again, 
unless he gets double crossed, but there's no incentive for anyone else to do it. Like the the only person who could really double cross him is Dong Min Hyunmin could, after he wins round five, try to pick up round six and seven or six or seven to try to take the lead over King Ran. Um, but that's still going to be tough to do. You, you'd have to win a lot of chips to do it because King Ran's not been throwing chips in willy-nilly. So you, you have to really have great economy of chips to overcome her here. And, and uh, you know, I'd have to break down the numbers more, but it seems like a pretty tall order. Like if you're Jinho, just stay the course and don't do anything to entice anyone else to try to win the main match and not give you the token of life. Like just let it go, let it go. But he can't. He just can't. So Hyunmin does, in fact, win the round. Everyone folds to him, and he's allowed to just take it down. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. He, he has the nuts. I mean, uh, everyone folds. He's the only person left, so he can play it knowing that he can't possibly lose. That's a pretty easy situation for him. And here in round five, I'm starting to wonder, and Scott uh, would love to hear your opinion on this, have any of the rounds up until now been won contentiously? Wasn't every round actually a mutually consented upon victory? Um, no, not round one, because okay. Hyung Hoon uh, threw in a chip that entered him in that, that screwed things up for Dongmin. Remember, Dongmin would have won, but for Hyung Hoon entering and changing the distribution of the seed cards. Interesting. Okay, fair point. But by this point, when Hyun Min wins and they all bow out, I mean, I was just thinking back to like the round, like round three or round four when Dongmin, you know, twists everybody's arm on one side of the table and then the other, and they all give it to him. It's Sure, but in round like... two, I mean, even in round two, you know, Jinho, the reason that's not contested is because Qingran has a lock on the hand. Like, Jinho, by, by Jinho entering the betting, he's assuring that Qingran must be the winner. So, like, yeah. it's, it's not contentious in that there's a bunch of people uh, who are betting and putting chips and vying to be the winner of that round. But it's contentious in that Jinho has basically announced, we're taking this one. It doesn't matter what anybody else wants. We've got it. Qran's got it. So back off. You know, so not, not contentious in the sense that you've got people throwing chips in, but contentious in the sense that you know, it's, it's confrontational. So it's, it's not a new thought for the game, but we have sort of been lulled into it by rounds three and four being so easy going and laid back. Yeah, that's correct. And, and really round five. So, okay, we're about to get into round six, which is where Jinho makes this big mistake. And I'm glad to hear that you, that I, like someone with your more profound understanding of what's going on, that my conclusion is the same as yours, that Jinho should not have done this and he makes a mistake here. But, but before that, I want you to think back to before this happens in round six. Give me your temperature on seed poker as a main match, episode seven, up to this point prior to Jinho making this mistake. Bad. And it's still bad after. I mean, it's it's not very exciting. It's, it's not, not very exciting. It's 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 a lot to follow. We the the way that it happens to play out, there's not a lot of backstabbing at this point. Even when the backstabbing happens, we still have a pretty full sense of what's going on. Like in round six, I I tried to figure out if there was a way to undo what Jinho had done, and I and, and still get the win to either Kyung Hoon or Jun Seok. And really, it's just pure luck that they couldn't do it. But, uh, you know, there's just, there's the, there's luck to the game, but the luck is, is not very, it's, it's, it doesn't change, right? Like you get, you get your little bit of luck and then you're kind of stuck with it. It's, uh, it's static luck. It's not dynamic. So, uh, you know, like there'd be more, I think there'd be more fun to the game if, um, you know, people were lying about their cards, which they don't, or if there was a situation where someone had like 
a one, but they needed a 15 and they drew a card and like, we have to wait and see if they drew the perfect card or not. But we know so much about what's happening because players are only betting when they're pretty sure of what the outcome is going to be on that hand. So there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of incomplete information for the players and therefore not for us either. So I think it's a, it's a poor game. There's not a lot of moments of like surprise or excitement built into it. And, uh, you know, again, the, the variance thing, like the, the outcome that we're expecting towards the end of the game isn't going to change very much. Like we know that the loser is going to be one of these couple people. There's not a lot they can do. We know when they fold in the last hand that, that, you know, the outcome's already set. Um, we know that there's only two possible winners when we get to the last round. So yeah, I, I don't think this is a very exciting, um, uh, main match. Yeah, I hate to say that I agree with you. And I'll still take a subpar episode of The Genius over a good episode of most other shows. But I tell you, I think it's um, I think the place for poker is in the death match. I don't think uh, poker is a main match game. It's just not really a poker game. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I would believe that there could be versions of poker um, that would be more exciting as a main match game. Like, I'm, I'm sure there are, but this isn't it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm will, if I'm the producer and you're you're my game designer and you come in and you say I've got a great idea for a poker game for a main match, I'm not firing you for saying that. Like, okay, tell me the game. Like, show me. I, that could it's possible. That could be there could be a game that has uh, elements in common with poker that could make for a great main match game. This is not the one. Let me make an analogy. What do you think about this as a main match compared to doubting Utenori? Doubting Utenori is a, a much better game because again, there's um, there's line. You get those little aside from the big suspense, you get the little mini suspenses of on each given turn. Is he lying or telling the truth? I agree, and I think that what they have in common, and the reason I made the analogy is that both of those are games where there is a little bit of luck involved. The toss of the Utes or the turn of the card. By the way, this was a main match with cards where we didn't have a single slow-mo card flip reveal, and that's because none of them were exciting enough. Um, right. and they also weren't marked cards or anything. So This is also not an episode where we did not have a uh, four hours later jump forward and jump back. I've grown to be a little bit cautious of the episodes that don't include one of those. Um, you know, that's, that's a good point, and it, I'm, I'm very happy to say it doesn't even strike me when I'm watching it because I feel like that would be like a little mini spoiler. So it doesn't... Uh, when that happens, it's not. It's not like oh, there's no flat. There's no uh, flash forward. So this this has got to be a pretty lame episode. So I'm uh, glad. But to that extent, you, I can still kind of expect something more than we're going to get. Chance played a part in both seed poker and in doubting Nori, and in both instances, something pretty unlikely and pretty lucky happened. Like I remember, uh, was it Yoan throwing like a bunch of lucky Utes in a row, and even the subtitle in the voiceover is telling us like. This could only happen if this happens four times in a row and the chances are incredibly small and then it happens. And so, you know, even these small elements of randomness and luck end up being like a bigger factor in the game than most of the strategies used by the players. And, you know, I don't that. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I like in my main matches is I have a real preference for the ones with a bit of pageantry, like the jail cell in Rebels and Loyalists was great. And of course, uh, you know, I guess these are death matches, but I love me a laser chess uh, or a uh, memory maze. Uh, I wasn't as crazy about laser chess, but memory maze was great. Yeah, you know, the big builds. Um, uh, so, 
this was a poker table. It, it was fine. So, okay. So then we come to round six. What does Jin Ho do in round six? Right. So Qran folds and Jin Ho bets. Now the old plan, again, the old plan guaranteed Qran the win and Jin Ho was going to get the token of life, which makes this such a terrible move because he's, he's throwing that out. Uh, now Jin Ho has the 15. Uh, he has the 15. The seeds are 12, 11, and nine, which again, like we talked about earlier, the, the seeds are close together, right? So this is, this is a lower variance round. Um, his, his 15, if he gets a seed, he's going to get at least a nine and he's going to make at least a 24, which is a, which is a really good hand. So he's in a good position. How could he get the seed? He couldn't have the seed unless everybody else folded. No, there's three seeds. So he just needs to have, uh, no more than two other people in. Right. Oh, okay. So as it turns out, what happens is that to, to subvert his plan, uh, he, the, the three of Dongman's, uh, people, take uh make bets so that they get the seed so that jinho doesn't yeah. um but you know jinho by playing uh it turns out just it just so happens the distribution of the cards means that uh jun seok and kyung hoon don't have a card that can give them a win like as the cards play out and i can i can go through it in more detail based on what they have and what the seeds are and how they'd have to play it but um you know hyunmin uh hyunmin has a one kyung hoon has a four so Kyung Hoon's best case scenario um, is to get the the eleven uh, seed, which would give him fifteen, but he'd still lose to Jinho because Jinho has a fifteen card and he acted first, so the tie would go to Jinho. So yeah, Kyung Hoon's in trouble. I you know, and I could even go through the same analysis for Junsak, but basically, Jinho is is lucky that Junsak and Kyung Hoon don't have Dongmin's card. You know, Dongmin. Um, is able to to make something out of out of his hand because he has a thirteen and he's able to get the third seed the the nine um, which which gives him a twenty two and because Kyung Hoon and Hyunmin each take uh, each take a seed uh, Jinho is stuck at fifteen so you know it's it Jinho makes a strong move there but had Kyung Hoon or Jun Sayak had the thirteen instead of Dongmin then it doesn't work so, okay so that this is another content, contended hand so that's good I like those. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a great hand. It's probably the most complex hand of the game because the players have to get up from the table and talk about what they want to do. And the decision is made that, you know, why don't we just make Dongmin the winner? And Kyung Hoon is cool with, with losing the match, or at least so he says. And I wouldn't trust him if I was the other players. And we'll talk about that in round seven. Uh, but Dongmin says, hey, look, if Kyung Hoon's going to do this for us, then if he survives the death match, we'll give him all the all the garnets that we win for winning these rounds. So we'll see and if that happens at the beginning of next episode. I believe it probably will. Um, yeah, go ahead. You also skipped past the part where Dongmin really wants to know what Jinho's card is. So Kyunghoon gives Jinho two garnets for revealing his card. And then when Kyungran says, you want to give me some garnets? He goes, yeah, here's two because you're next to Jinho. What the hell is Kyunghoon doing with his garnets? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I guess it's not great. Like if if Jinho's good, is basically spend as few garnets as you need to to get the information that you need. Once you've decided that you need that information, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the players are silly with garnets. We've seen them throughout the entire run of the series giving garnets away because they like somebody or they feel bad about something that they did. Uh, so you know, garnets can be used really skillfully, like Sangman did in the pilot episode, or when, when he gave Jinho's garnet back to Jinho, <laughs> he bribed him with his own garnet. Um, or or you can just hand them out because you like somebody or you you feel bad. So like yeah, in the in the context of like trying to accumulate as many garnets as you can, it's not a great move. But 
I understand within the world of the of the genius, you know, Kyung Hoon has so many garnets that he got from from Yunsung that maybe he feels should have been more equitably distributed. So oh, so he's going like to shortchange the foundation. He's <laughs> dipping into the uh, uh, their. Um, uh, oh no! Yeah, well, he's dipping into the trust fund, but he feels yeah. like he's playing with house money. You know, he feels because it's not those seven garnets. He didn't earn them; he was given them. So, yeah, it's a bad move, but, like, I can, like, kind of understand having watched The Genius for so long, it's not necessarily a surprising move. Endowment. Uh, that's the word I was looking for. Endowment. Yeah. He's robbing. Yeah, there you go. He's turning, he's turning the Yunsung Foundation endowment into his own personal slush fund. You got to go back giving and away those that long pause so I don't sound like I can't remember the word endowment. No, I'm just going to edit out the stuff where I sound dumb. So, <laughs> Damn yeah. it. Yeah, once he uh, once he hands out those garnets, I think it's safe to say that Kyung Hoon is assuredly not well endowed. That I'm editing out. Okay, so uh... now we're at this point where <laughs> Dong Min determines that Kyung Hoon has to come in last so that Dong Min can win, and Dong Min's decided that he wants to win. It's war. It's war against Jin Ho, uh, presumably, and Kyung Ran, and Jin Ho, who's on the receiving end of Dong Min's wrath now of the war says, I'm a bit flustered. I think figuring out what to do is my biggest priority. This, in the sixth round of a seven-round poker game, Scott, is Jin Ho the icon of Fablunget? Yeah, he's the icon of stupid uh, at this <laughs> point because, like, yeah, again, and I, I've said it like three or four times already, he, ha- he was in a scenario, in a situation, where he's guaranteed to be safe. All you can do in any given round of the genius is is not get eliminated, right? Like the best thing you can do is not get eliminated. That's what the game is. The person who doesn't get eliminated every single week is the winner of the season. So he takes himself for a, from a situation where he's not going to be eliminated to a situation where he might be eliminated. How does that sound to you? The the motto of the genius, their equivalent of outwit, outplay, outlast, is. Ugly victories, beautiful defeats. There's more to it than that. I don't remember all of the copy, but that's the part that I remember. And I think of, when I think of ugly victories, uh, again, not not trying to be mean, but I think of Jung Moon, who continues to succeed, not in this episode. Um, but uh, uh, this is neither an ugly victory nor a beautiful defeat for Jin Ho. I think this is just an ugly defeat. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yes, it, it's not great. Um, so he's now, he's he's out another chip. I mean, it doesn't really matter. He can't finish in last place. But it's yeah, okay, only... because at least, at least, Jung Moon, whom he just stuck his neck out for, is going to repay that favor. <laughs> yes, he, um, he yeah, the, the good news is Jung Moon is now completely safe. So, good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Everything Bad. worked out great. Jin Ho's plan, A+. Plus. Well, you know, so Jin Ho does this ostensibly for Jung Moon, right? He does this to save Jung Moon. And he then after the main match is over, he goes to Kyung Hoon and says, hey, pick Jung Moon for the death match. Well, why are you saving her? Why, why, why did you save her in the first place if you're just going to go tell the loser of the main match to pick her anyway? What are you I doing? That's a mystery. I mean, what, what kind of world are we living in where Jin Ho is sounding like Kyung Hoon who last week said that he wanted Jun Siak to go to the death match as revenge for Sang Min, and then coaches Jun Siak on how to win monorail against the doctor with the steely mentality. 
Yeah, uh, Jin Ho's off the deep end on this one. So <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's 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 the icon of Fablungent. So uh, round seven, the seed is fifteen again. Everybody takes a card, so there's only going to be one seed this round. Now, uh, Jung Moon has signaled to Jin Ho that she has a one, and when the only uh, uh, when the only seed card in the round is the fifteen or really, in any case, the highest card possible. So had the 15 been in the trash, if the seed card were the 14, or if the 15 and the 14 are gone, and the seed card is 13. When the, the highest card available, uh, when there's no higher card than the lone seed card, the lowest card amongst the players will automatically win the round if, the, if they bet. So in this yeah. case, there's a 15. The, the only seed is a 15. Uh, Jung Moon has the one, so she's assured of the victory because the lowest card gets to take the seed. And no one else could get ahead of a, of a 16 without the help of a seed card. There's no other seed card. So as the first five players all uh, opt not to add a seed card, Qingran and Jinho go ahead with, with uh, uh, taking a card as well. They do not add to the seed cards because they know that Jungmoon's going to take this guaranteed victory this round. And it will preserve Qingran's first place, which she still has very tenuously at this point. She needs to keep Dongmin from winning the round to stay in first place because Dongmin has won the previous round and he's now catching up. So uh, it's an easy call. You just you just you take a card. You discard a card. You leave a, a lone seed card, and Jung Moon gets to have it. And there's absolutely no problem. And Jung Moon passes. Uh, yeah, she, well, she, um, fo- she folds. Yeah, yeah, she folds. She passes because she um, she doesn't want to openly betray her little sort of alliance that already kind of doesn't trust her, um, and uh, you know that way she can avoid the the death match, which she knows at this point is going to be either Jun Sak or Kyung Hoon. I mean, they're the two with the lowest chip counts. There's nothing crazy that can happen that can keep one of the two of them from losing the game at this point because there's only one round left to win. So either Kyung Hoon doesn't win it and he goes, or he does win it, in which case Jun Sak goes. So she says, hey, why upset the apple cart? If I stick to the plan and I don't take, uh, I, I don't win this round and I let Dongmin have it, then my side's not going to pick me for the death match. So let's, uh, let's just have a moment to think about that one. Okay, so <laughs> so she passes on it, and now here's something very interesting um, because Dongmin's side, they all know what everybody has. They all know what they each have, and they have accounted for the five lowest cards. And again, remember the lowest card to bet wins this round automatically. Automatically wins the round. So uh, Jung Moon draws the one originally. Jun Sak has a three. Dongmin has a two, and Kyung Hoon has the four. Now when Dongmin draws. He winds up getting the five, um, and he, he throws back the two in favor of the five. And the reason that he does this is because he trusts his side is all going to pass, which means he knows since the one, two, three, and four are accounted for, he wants to have the highest whole card he can to combine with whatever seed card he's going to get uh, to make the best hand possible to compete with whatever hand he's going to have to face from, from Qumran uh, or, or maybe Jinho. So this makes sense to him in this moment. He's now got the five. He's thrown away the two, but we know the two is accounted for. He's got the five. So the plan is he'll take the seed card because no one, Jinho, Qingran, and Hyunmin, uh, none of them could have a lower card to get it. He'll take it and he'll take the assured win. And here's the thing. Kyunghoon has a four. So once Dongmin bets, Kyunghoon knows Jungmoon and Junsak have folded lower cards. The two is gone. The one and the three are gone. The four wins it automatically. So all Kyunghoon has to do is call the bet here. He wins the seed card. He makes a 19. He wins the hand. He's not the sole loser. And again, it's possible that Jun Seok, who becomes the loser in that case, it's possible that he still picks Kyung Hoon to go to the death match, 
But again, the sure thing of going to the death match versus the not sure thing of going to the death match, because maybe Kyung Hoon can make the case, hey, Junsak, sure, I screwed you over last, but Jung Moon screwed you over the worst, or Kyung Ran and Jin Ho screwed you over the worst, or whatever case he wants to make, uh, he can take he can take that round for himself and and not be the loser of the match. Now, knowing that, Jun Seok has the three. If he enters the betting, he will win once Jung Moon has folded because Jung Moon would have folded the one. The two is already gone. The three is good to take the 15 seed card and give him an 18, which which then, of course, can't be beat. So knowing that Kyung Hoon could steal the round, Jun Seok should steal the round to keep Kyung Hoon from stealing the round and keep Kyung Hoon in last place. And the same rationale applies. You don't want to be... Uh, guaranteed last, uh, guaranteed to go to the death match by losing the round. Now, it's a little different for Junsak because it's possible Kyung Hoon will stick to his word, which he in fact does, in which case you don't need to draw any more attention to yourself. But it's a very interesting situation because while, while they've all agreed that Dong Min should win the round, Junsak and Kyung Hoon have very compelling reasons to steal it for themselves. And I think you get a much better ending uh, to the main match and I, I think a much stronger episode and certainly something to, to flash forward to if either Junsak or Kyung Hoon had bid on this last this last uh, fifteen card, and I think that there's a couple reasons why they don't do that. And one is that they're just knuckling under to Dong Min. His will is just so uh, indefatigable that um, you know he decides that it's going to be war on that side of the table, and that therefore he needs to win the last two rounds. He even indicates in the dining room that. Uh, the winners of round six and seven should give their garnets to uh, Kyung Hoon. We never see if that actually happens. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but maybe Dong Min just well, it wouldn't, for garnets as it well. It wouldn't have happened yet. It, w- it would have to happen next episode because you don't, you, want, you don't want to give garnets to a guy who's just about to go to the death match where his garnets get taken away if he loses. Ah, uh, that's, a, that's a very good point. So yeah, we'll see if that comes up. Um, and usually they're, they're good for it, so I expect he'll get those garnets. Um, but, um, well, yeah, I mean, because that, yes, and that ties in with another reason for it, which is I feel like we've now reached the stage of the game where a winning side will want to choose who uh, is the sole loser so that that person can pick their opponent for the death match. You want to avoid the situation where more than one person from your side can end up going to the death match. And to be sure, Kyung Hoon does end up. They all talked about how it was going to be either Jin Ho or Kyung Ran in the uh, death match, and then uh, Kyung Hoon ends up veering away from that. But, um, uh, you know, when they come up with this plan, like, we can control who comes in first and who comes in last. And if, uh, you know, Titty God is willing to go to the death match, then uh, it really benefits everybody to send him there. And it turns out fine. Yeah, well, I mean, I just, if I'm Kyung Hoon, I'm, I say I'm willing, and then I take that last round. And then I hope that Jun Seok has a more compelling reason to pick someone else than me. I guess you yeah. wouldn't be able to pick Kyung Ran or Jin Ho in that case because that would preserve the win for Kyung Ran and she'd give the token to Jin Ho. But again, if you're Kyung Hoon, you can, you can turn to Kyung Ran and say, look, here's the deal. If I pass on this, I'm going to the death match. I'm going to lose the match. I'm going to the death match. And I'm picking you. But I'll offer you this. If I take the card, you're the winner and you get an extra token of life. Don't give it to Jin Ho. Give it to me instead. If you will agree to that, then I will take this card, and then neither of us goes to the death match instead of you not agreeing to this, and we both go. So if you're Kyung Hoon, you can turn and make that offer, and that's pretty hard to turn down if you're Kyung Ran. That's a great offer. I wonder if he even knew or if he'd fallen asleep again. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough. He's got to decide that in the moment. And it just so happens that the cards are dealt in, in you know, again, variants, like very high variants that you just happen to have 
the exact right card that guarantees you the ability to make that deal and the right position on the other players to make that deal. But he, he could have done it. You know, he could have turned it on that. And again, that's, that's very compelling. And now, yeah, I mean, maybe she doesn't want to betray Jinho. Maybe she's willing to go to the death match to avoid even the possibility that your new loser, Junsak, would pick Jinho to go to the death match. And by the way, wouldn't you love to see a Jinho Junsak death match? I would. Yeah, but, me too. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, Kyungran ostensibly doesn't want that. So maybe she says no to the deal and Kyung Hoon's exposing himself by offering it. But that's a mu- it's So what? So what? The alternative is that you just lose the, the game? No, make the offer. Turn and make the offer. Make the offer. Do now, it. in a moment, we're about to send Jung Moon off to the death match. But, you know, I think we've been over it. But just to repeat, Jung Moon exposed Dong Min because Dong Min said, I'm going to share Jin Ho's information. And then after Jung Min tattles on Dong Min for doing that, Jung Moon then shares information with Jin Ho and then helps Dong Min win. So it's it's really hard for me to follow Jung, Jung Moon. It seems like if she's giving any thought into whom she's trying to support, she switches signs more than Jack Sparrow in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Uh, sure. <laughs> All right. I've not seen those. But okay, that sounds right. I guess. It was a great reference. All right. I will take your word on that, that you made a good reference. I believe you. That's good. Jung Moon right. says of <laughs> Jin Ho, he helped me because I was so pitiful. I should have returned the favor. Might have been a good idea. Yeah. Well, she's not had very many good ideas. So even that she has a good idea, um, even if she doesn't act on it, that's that's cause for celebration. But sure enough, Kyung Hoon is going to lose as Dong Min wins the main match, gives his token of life to Kyung Min. Kyung Hoon talks about wanting to pick Jin Ho, but instead he takes the spy Jung Moon to the death match. So yeah, because Jin Ho, this is where we get our first rewind scene of the episode when we find out that a moment later Jin Ho is like we rewind five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> five minutes earlier. Hey, you should take uh, Jung Moon to the death match. All right. Five minutes later. I'm going to take Jung Moon to the death match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, I have to say, like, it's kind of unbelievable that Jung Moon escaped the death matches for so long. I mean, she, she you know, now, now Jin Ho and Dong Min are the two people who have not yet been to a death match. But she made it through six really bad main match appearances without going to a death match. I mean, that's got to be a record for, like, worst player to avoid a death match for a long time. Uh, I mean, that's very, that's like, uh, Yoan from his season, right? He lost every main match. Sort of. Yeah. But he had already been to a death match, right? So he had like, he, he kicked butt at laser chess and he was still like, I, I don't think he was, he wasn't being actively bad in the main matches, right? Like he was losing them, but he wasn't being actively bad. He wasn't causing hurt feelings. He wasn't betraying people. He was just sort of, all right. I'm in playing this game. Up, oh, I didn't win. All right, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, which was brilliant because it was the attract no garnets and go to no death matches. Uh, I mean, he, yes, you're right. He did go to laser chest, but now my recall for Survivor is better than my recall for the genius. Can you tell me what other death matches Jung Moon has been to? She played Yul Hop, right? Uh, no, she did. She participated in Yul Hop in the finale of season one as as part of the peanut gallery. Who, and she was helping uh, Jinho, I believe, uh, calling out uh, calling out matches. But no, she she played. I believe she played tactically Yutnori against Chang Yap. She beat Chang Yap in that. 
And then she okay. lost the rock, paper, scissors game, the, the winning streak game, uh, which, you know, is like maybe the worst death match. I don't know. There are some other bad ones in season one, like getting, getting friends into the show. I, I have to be very apologetic about the death matches in season one. Like, don't worry. Don't worry. It gets better. It gets better eventually. If they've gotten that far, uh, you know, they're probably in, but yeah. Uh, um, I, I, uh, Maybe I was reading too much into it, but I really liked the reaction from Kyung Hoon when uh, Jung Moon vetoed 12 Jangi. Like, he would have loved to play that game. It probably I have that in my notes, too. Over yeah, I mean, he solved monorail. monorail. Like, he, he could have solved 12 Jangi. That's not crazy. He excludes Gilhap, and he gives a very reasonable explanation for that. Hey, I'm, I'm a little tired. Like, don't play Gilhap against Jung Moon unless you're at peak ability, and she's, she's the one who's lagging. Like, that's, that's a good call. So that means that the three games in the hopper are Quattro, Double-Sided Poker, and Same Picture Hunt, which gets drawn. Same Picture Hunt. So and let's talk that about means the differences. we're now getting to the point that everybody speculated about, which is we're going to yeah. play Quattro with too few people for Quattro. I'm sure they have something in mind, but it's interesting. Well, they, they have improved. Like, the really bad death matches, for the most part, have been improved. And when I say bad, I don't mean bad TV necessarily, but the ones that are, like, two in favor of one player or the other. Um, they've made some changes. They made changes to same number hunt now with same picture hunt. So I want to talk about some of those changes because the the game is better than it was when Jung Hyun beat uh, uh, what's his face crazy guy Hong Chul in season two, uh, where basically just don't you call Hong Chul crazy guy? You may call him the chameleon if you want to. You can call him elevator guy from Ganyam style. Was was he? He is elevator guy in Ganyam style, but that's not what I know him from. I know him from the genius and Hung Chul, my all-time favorite player. Wow! Um, And uh, then somebody was like, "Oh yeah, he's the elevator guy." And and I've only seen Ganyam style once. It was fine. It was great. I watched it once, but I didn't know that. Like, if you went on YouTube, you could find where somebody has taken the three or four seconds that Hung Chul appears in Ganyam style. And has edited that on a loop. So there's like an 11-hour-long <laughs> video on YouTube that's three seconds of Hong Chul. I'm not going to watch that, but I like watching him on The Genius. I feel oddly compelled, like a, like a moth to the flame. Mm. So, Talk right, to so me. The... So we, we talk about a ga- games that have a build to them, some pageantry. Same picture hunt fits the bill. So I'm excited to see it. Tell me about what the differences are. Yeah, well, uh, actually, as I mentioned the pageantry, the, the one thing that like doesn't matter at all in St. Picture Hunt that is pure pageantry is the tiles that are behind where the player starts because those don't mean anything. If you get, if you get a wrong answer and you get moved back, the whole, uh, the whole game board slides back. You, you can never move back to the, to the shapes and the colors and the pieces behind you. So there's really no need for them except that they make a fun sound when they, when they hit the floor. What have uh, we learned from survivors? Smashing tiles makes for good TV. Sure. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm sure you have to say that because you you have to maintain your relationship with John Kerhoffer. But uh, yeah, no, no, no. Breaking tiles, not great. I mean, it's not like inherently bad, but there's nothing compelling specifically about breaking a tile. So, um, anyway, changes to the game. Uh, where do I have this here? Yes, uh, both players are now going to start at the same spot, so there's no two-step lead. The players have to fall back 12 spaces to lose and not eight spaces. And you only have to move forward nine spaces to win. So the you pick, I pick strategy is no longer as strong. As the game used to be set up, the odds of winning, if you were the player with the advantages at the start of the game, 
the odds of you being the winner if you just kept picking what the other player had picked were around 75% approximately. But now, now with these rule changes, it's still correct to do the I pick what you pick strategy until the first player uh, gets one right. Like it's still, or I should say, until the first player gets an advantage because the first player might get one right after you've already gotten one right, and then you want to keep using it. But essentially, until all the tiles are uncovered, like you still have an inherent advantage to using the "I'll pick what you pick" strategy. Um, but my question but, for you, and I don't know if we're getting ahead of it, but was there a point where Jung Moon should have switched to that strategy and stopped sequentially exposing letters once she saw that Kyung Hoon was getting? A good lead. He had a favorable board. I actually don't know if she can see his row and what he has ahead. I don't you know what know. once what any time that you're not in the lead, you don't want to do that. You need to uncover as many tiles as you can because otherwise you're going to fall off the board first. Like that that strategy, the I'll pick what you just pick strategy. That strategy is designed for to to keep both players from winning. Like that's when you want us both to keep moving backwards. Uh-huh. And I have the advantage because you're going to fall backwards two turns before me. So I've got this nice buffer built in. You've got to find, you've got to randomly find two correct answers with only eight shots out of 16 or nine shots out of 16 if you get the first one right. So, um, you know, you're, 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 playing, uh, you're playing to lose yourself, but just to lose slower. But the way it's set up now, there is more incentive to actually win. And if you're trailing, you know, you don't want both players to lose because you're going to lose first. So if you're trailing, you want to uncover as many as many uh, tiles as you can, as many of the letters as you can, to give you the best chance of winning. But as it happens, with these rule changes, and because both players have already practiced how they're going to memorize for this game, it's it's luck. I mean, it's a coin flip is what it comes down to. It's whoever uh, whoever has the all their, their tiles uncovered first is going to win. And it just so happens it's Kyunghoon, and it's it's not even that compelling because there's no mistakes. There were no memory mistakes in this game. Nobody opened up the wrong door at any point. So yeah. both players are playing perfectly. It's, it's just the luck of like, oh, well, none of mine were in the bottom right door. So, you know, I, I knew where all mine were first, so I was able to move ahead. So there's yeah. no, that's not strategic. That's just pure luck. Somewhat, it ended up being somewhat disappointing for that reason, particularly because we had just had a a main match that was heavily favored by luck. And so it was just a coincidence that with the random draw of the death match, these two happened to be in the same episode, but yeah, that was too bad. It was great to see them both, um, you know, playing strategically and not making any mistakes. They both told the story of how they came up with the memory sequence, which is how I played along while I was watching it. Um, but yeah, it ended up being uh, not, not a very thrilling outcome. So, um, yeah, anyway, Kyung Hoon uh, gets, gets to the finish line first, and Jung Moon is eliminated. She is out. out. Scott, do you think we'll ever see a Survivor tribe use the defensive strategy in the matching game? Yes, I do. I think, you, know, you mean like, like, uh, like the, you know, the memory matching game that we've seen a few times? Yeah. I, I think it, you just need one person on the team who both understands the strategy and can has the has a social position in the tribe that other people will do it because it's one of those things where if you know that strategy but you're the person in the tribe who like like you know like if you're on the the men's tribe on Survivor Amazon and Roger decides that he doesn't like your strategy then it doesn't matter that you know that you've solved the game like you know Roger's going to do what he wants to do and you're going to lose the challenge or you're at least not going to have that advantageous position but I think if if the person who knows it uh, either is or has a friend who in the tribe who can um, 
get the others to buy into it, which I think is, is generally the case. I mean, a strong strategy like that, people want to win challenges. Yeah, I do think at some point someone's going to get it right where you only open, um, uh, you only open one, new, uh, one new tile or one new, you, know, you only flip one new thing over uh, unless it's something that, that you recognize and you go back and make the match. But you, you, never, you, know, you never uncover two unknown items in the same round. That's what you're talking about, right? That is what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 I, 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 do, yeah. I, do, I do. You just need one person. I mean, if they do that challenge and on uh, Survivor's second chances, and I don't know, maybe that's too simple for that season. But if they do the challenge there, you know, do you think Stephen Fishback doesn't know that strategy or Spencer Bledsoe? Like, of course those guys do. They know what to do, they know how to play that game. I think if, you know, they played it in Fiji and Yao Man didn't deploy that strategy. And if Yao Man didn't do it, you know, maybe it's just never going to happen. I don't think so. I, I mean, you know, there, there's certainly gaps and like, you know, Yao Man's the guy who should have known it there for sure. But um, j- just because Yao Man didn't know it, like that's something that is very knowable. And it's also something, again, it's variance. Like Yao Man might be one of those people who, who generally knows these sorts of things, but just doesn't happen to know that. Um, but the more, the more iterations of it we see on Survivor, the more likely someone, someone's going to know that. I mean, it's not like a, like a totally uncommon strategy for people to be familiar with. Yeah, it's a real dick move if you do it when you're playing against a kid, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, They're just confused. We just, yeah, we, we were letting uh, – uh, my wife and I were letting our two-year-old win a game earlier today, and I think we've, we've gotten to the point where, like, when he loses something, he doesn't understand, like, how could this have happened? I always win everything. So well, we're going to have that to deal with pretty soon. Yes. Uh, the way I explain it to my son, uh, and take it from me, a professional game maker uh, – <laughs> I explained that winning and losing is just how we know that the game is over. That's cute. My first day as a camp counselor, I remember realizing like I had a knack for it because the kids had played like line soccer or one of those games and I hadn't kept score. The other counselor hadn't kept score. So the game ends, it's, you know, six year olds, the game ends and then the kids come, Hey, who won the game? And I, uh, it's a tie. Everybody wins. And the kids all together, they go, yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Uh, I, I think I can handle this. So, yeah. Um, so, Jung Moon is gone. Uh, but any, yes, the any... same. The same cannot be said for same picture hunt. It is not a tie. Everybody does not win. Kyung Hoon will live on and push his garnet count even higher. And, uh, and thank goodness must say goodbye. Thank goodness because he's the most fun person this season, and this is kind of what I want. Like not, I you know don't tell me ahead of time this is what's going to happen in an episode. But like afterward, looking back, the death match is between a player who I really care about and a player who I don't care about that much, and so the stakes are high because I'm I'm I've really got a rooting interest, and then my rooting interest wins. That's great. That's fine. I'm happy with that. I mean, again, that's that's not to the credit of the producers of the show or the show itself that that happened. I mean, uh, you know, that's just how it happened to play out. But for me, enjoying the episode, that was like the most enjoyable thing. So. Good on them for that. You wanna you wanna eulogize uh, Jung Moon here? Uh, you know she didn't have a great showing this time around, and I watched season one. Or last time. I watched season one the longest time ago, and I haven't rewatched it, so I don't remember her from that at all. Um, yeah, you know I think that there's something to be said for. Uh, uh, the, you know, this is not a complimentary phrase or analogy, but going into cockroach mode, you know, just keeping alive any way you can. Uh, like, um, uh, you know, Eliza Orleans, um, well, look, you know, Jung she's always the... somebody who they want to send home and she manages to hang in there. 
and uh sandra <laughs> well i guess sandra's never the target but yeah just like sticking around sticking around don't mind me um you know look over there look at that person yeah but uh i think jung moon was more of like a in a uh, sandra yeah, she's was, more of an eliza for sure for sure yeah for sure. yeah kind of the underdog like scramble constant scrambler clinger um and uh you know she it, it was she drew a rebel in the rebels and loyalists and that's a tough position to win in. it's cool that she knows 100 positions of uh of decimal points of pi but uh i didn't see enough uh from her here in season four to make her one of my favorite players uh a lovely woman and i wish her all the success and happiness in the world she was more fun to watch this season than she was in season one for sure. But you know, she lost basically for the reasons that she's been at the bottom of my my winner rankings uh, or my winner chances or whatever for the for the last few episodes, which is that she she's not a great player and her social game's not very good. And it's just been a miracle she's avoided these death matches. Like this was coming. This was a long time coming. There was there was always a chance she'd get to the death match and it would be Gilhap or something and, and she'd pull through or or a game like this and she'd be the winner of of a 50 50 luck contest you know i mean it totally be, but again because because of how she's been playing and where she is socially in the group she's the most likely to be going to death matches and that means she's the most likely to be getting eliminated and not winning so this this seems like something that was just going to happen so and yeah um, she left on same picture hunt her same picture hunt uh um performance was uh flawless you you exchange her and Kyung Hoon, you have them stand in each other's places and Kyung Hoon loses. Yeah. Yep. So she's she's got the goods. It's not like and now that I'm actually thinking about it, was she a zombie in zombie game? Yes. Okay. So I remember her from that episode. That episode was great. I loved the zombie game episode. And there was uh, there was you had zombies, you had a love story, you had everything. So now that I remember that that's who she was. Now I understand why they brought her back for an all-star season. Um, and really the best we could hope for was something like that again. Like I would say, okay, with um, with Wu going back for Survivor Second Chances, uh, you know, Wu was not one of my votes. He's going back, okay. I'd say the best thing that Wu could do is do something stupid again, like vote out cast instead of Tony. If he does that, I'll be happy that he's back on season two uh, for, for Second Chances. Um, and so here you bring back Jung Moon, and if she does something like draw a rebel card, like she drew a zombie card, and she's not going to be able to keep it a secret, uh, then you, maybe you'll get something good out of it. And we did. So Jung Moon delivered. Cheers to you, Jung Moon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was, like I said, better TV this time around, but I mean, she, she won't be particularly missed. Um, Throw her on the pile. She's eliminated. Well, again, I, 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 didn't, I didn't quite understand why she was cast. That makes sense to me now. Like, she was... She was worth be her casting on the season. She was worth her casting on the season, but yeah. she she is you know the the casting is the characters are so great and so compelling that even in a cast of of thirteen dynamic players, someone's going to be the least dynamic every week. Someone's someone's going to be the person we'll least miss seeing in the next week's episode. And I think well, I think that was probably Kumran tonight, but. Jung Moon is is right up there. Like I I don't want to lose Kyung Moon. I don't want to lose Dong Min or Hyun Min. Um, I guess I'm okay with well Hyun Min. Maybe I'm okay with losing. I mean whatever. We, yeah, we'll where is that, he? But yeah, I, I want to get to to the winner ranking chances uh, in a little bit. But before we get to that, since since we have you on and you're such a games expert, I have some some game stuff I want to talk about. Some relating to 
uh, well, I guess all relating in some way to the genius. And first, we had talked uh, in a thread online a while ago, you and I, about tactical Nori, and I didn't want to forget to talk about that. I, I wanted to know what, what to you makes it such an awful game, because my take on tactical Nori is that it's something that, um, it, it's, it's a leveling game. It's a game where, like, I think that you think that I think that you think that I think this, and therefore I got to do this to stop you from, from doing that, which, which I find compelling. Um, and I think it's just something that had we in America grown up playing Utenori and the rules of regular Utenori were, were second nature to us, I think that would be a more compelling uh, deathmatch. And that that's really the only reason why it didn't resonate is because we're all trying to figure out like how many, you know, what's a, uh, how many spots do you need or how many of the sticks with spots on them do you need to move this many spaces and what happens if you do that. And if you understand it in, sort of intrinsically what the moves are, which you do if you're South Korean and you grew up playing this game, that it's a much better game and you can enjoy the leveling aspect of it. So, so I was wondering if you could tell me why I'm wrong and stupid and why you're smart and right. Uh, don't be misled. Just because we met on the internet, I don't always go around telling people that they're wrong and stupid. That's not really my style. Uh, I, I don't like tactical Utenori because I think it's confusing and boring. I think uh, all the things you pointed out are, of course, completely true. If I grew up knowing what it means when somebody says, oh, in this version of the game, every doe is a back doe. I'm like, a back doe? A back doe is like what a hillbilly looks out of if you want to see a bunch of rusted cars. But um, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know the rules of the game. So, yeah, I get that throwing the sticks is like the Battle of Wits in Princess Bride. I get that. In the same way that I cognitively get that the game of baseball is a battle of wits between the batter and the pitcher, but well, that's not that's not a straight up analogy. I, I, that's not fair. I mean, there's so many more variables. Like in tactical Nori, the wind is not going to change which stick you throw out there. You know, like your a slight twitch in your in your delivery isn't going to change the the stick you throw out there. The you know your choice is your choice. So I don't sure. I don't know that the, that the baseball analogy is fair. Uh, well, okay, yeah. It's, I'm not saying it's a great analogy, but where I draw... You're wrong and first, stupid. I'm right and smart. This is starting to sound like the internet now. Where, where uh, I draw... Which is ironically where this podcast is located. Yeah, like, like so many podcasts these days. <laughs> um, uh, the, where the comparison is to me is that I don't really understand baseball either. I also find it rather boring. Not super confusing. Not like football. All right, you're right and smart. You're back to right and smart. Uh, but Wait, what do you think goes, about football? Uh, I don't. I don't really get any sports. No, oh. I'm missing that gene. I'll um, give you credit for the baseball thought, though. It's just that people go, no, no, no. You don't understand. Baseball's interesting. It's a battle of wits between the pitcher and the batter. Is the pitcher going to throw a ephus or a knuckleball, and then the batter will adjust accordingly? And I go, okay, I believe you. I don't think you're making that up. But you know what I'm looking at is a lot of people standing around and scratching themselves. So, like, at the core of it, there may be this mental battle, but it doesn't come across to me as entertainment. And so Tactical Yutnori is about what is your opponent going to throw. But it's the one deathmatch that they always yada, yada, yada. Like, they cut to the pieces moving around the board. Um, Well, I think there are elements of the game that, you know, that are – I mean, I think that's – I see what you're saying that that like speaks ill for the game, but I, I don't know. I, I think it more speaks well for production that they don't feel like they need to show you every single second of the game. My point is that it's a cultural thing that like they're making the show for, they're not making it for an American audience. They're making it for a South Korean audience that is familiar with the game. So in that context, 
I think, uh, to me, it seems like it's probably a better choice than we'd give it credit for as a deathmatch game because it's something that makes more sense to the people who are buying the products advertised on the show. Which <laughs> I don't even know what's being advertised on the show because Bum Diddlyumptious cuts them out. Thank you, Bum Diddlyumptious. <laughs> uh, I get that if it weren't for Tactical Yutnori, there would be you got to have Tactical Yutnori as a deathmatch because it sets the foundation for all deathmatches to come. I get that. The Perch is an important survivor challenge from Season 1. But both of those, uh, you know, kind of in my just personal opinion, uh, kind of pale in comparison when you look at what they've evolved into. And they kind of, they're important and they're groundbreaking and they're foundational but they don't necessarily hold up um, except as sort of like an artifact. So I feel like whoever was in the pitch meeting and I don't know how TV works, I guess I don't know how TV works full stop, but I probably know a little bit more about how TV works uh, here in the U S I don't know if somebody pitched it, but if they were like, here's what it's going to be, see, they're going to be a main match every week and there's going to be a death match every week. And the network exec is like, uh, what's a death match? And they're like, oh, it's like Tactical Yutnori. And they go, oh, okay. So every week there'll be a game like Tactical Yutnori. Yeah, that's right. So, like, I'm sure it was an important part of the, like... Is know, John Loves getting residuals from this? Because uh, I'm going to stop watching if he is. He's he's an anti-vaxxer, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I've been through it with him on Twitter. <laughs> wow, right, so. you're, uh, we're, we're all over there. Um, I didn't know that John Lovitz was an anti-vaxxer, but I think that anybody who... Uh, you know, John Lovitz is a comic genius, but I think anybody who looks at him and takes health advice from him is probably getting, uh, you know, sub-quality advice. I think there was a radon leak at uh, Rockefeller Center when he was there because look what happened to poor Victoria Jackson. Yeah, that, well, you know, it's it's almost like those SNL cast members are not qualified to uh, weigh in on, on medical matters. <laughs> uh, yeah almost all right so what does so, joe piscopo think about vaccinations what does I, Nassim, what does nasim pedrad think about vaccinations <laughs> yeah i mean i i guess like to an extent i'd rather not know because if, if it turns out that they have like a horrible stupid wrong opinion that's very dangerous then i'm gonna stop enjoying their the the, the art that they make or that you know the the whatever you want to call it the sketches about farting uh, <laughs> <laughs> i just name checked nasim pedrad because we went to ucla together all right. Right on. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. So, so that's it for Tactical Utenori. Um So I yeah, wanted to I, ask you also. I don't think people who like it are wrong and stupid. I get it. It's just not for me. Well, no, I don't like, I don't like watching it. Like, it's not my favorite. Game, but, like, I... <laughs> You're defending it. <laughs> no, but my point is, no, I'm defending the producers, I guess. But like it within the context of like what the genius is and what it, what it aspires to be it's a sensible game for them to have as a death match that it makes sense that that's something that is, is it's only bad if you're an American audience that doesn't know you Nori. So uh, anyway, the season four iteration of it with uh, uh, Dongmin uh, playing Jinho, uh, very entertaining. That's as good as we'll ever see tactical. Yes. Yeah, that's probably true. So moving on, uh, I was in Seattle a few weeks ago. At, and uh, a friend took me to a place called Cafe Mox. Are you familiar with Cafe Mox? No, tell me more. Okay, so this is fantastic. And for someone like you, it's probably worth the trip to Seattle. Cafe Mox is a, uh, it's like a pub, like a, like a, yeah, it's like a pub with a, with a menu. They got sandwiches, you know, pretty good sandwiches and, you know, all these different beers on tap. But it's attached to this huge game store. 
And what you do when you go to Cafe Mox is you tell the, the guys at the game store side of the building what sort of game you like. And then they will give you a game that you can borrow for free to play while you're eating food at Cafe Mox. So it's it basically like you have your choice of like hundreds of different games, all different kinds of games. And uh, you sit there and you, you eat your sandwich and you have your, your beer and you, you play games with your friends as long as you'd like. And then when you're done, if you like a game, you can buy it from the game store side. You could just go to the game store and buy games. It's a huge, like beautiful game store, um, but just a wonderful place. And um, while at Cafe Mox, I tried a number of games uh, and I discovered some that were genius games. Uh, no Thanks. Uh, we played No Thanks. Uh, no Thanks is Minus on. Auction. Minus Auction. And, you know, Minus Auction isn't the same when it's not on the Genius because uh, there's no penalty for losing if you're not on the Genius. Like, essentially, uh, on the Genius, you want to uh, both win and not lose. But when you're playing with your friends, you just want to win. So there's some rule changes that are different. Also, of course, there's no garnets that you can throw in there when you're playing with your friends. So the rules are a little different. But No Thanks is basically Minus Auction. Um, set, which I played a long time ago, but rediscovered. Set, which is Gil Hap. Gil Hap, if, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering, uh, sort of like if, if you're familiar with, with board games to the extent you are with, with survivor games and such, do you know other games, uh, that, that are of the genius that one can purchase and play at home? I'm looking in particular for a version of the black and white game that I can play without needing a third person to tell me which card is higher. Oh, I don't know if there's such a thing as that. Uh, but, but just generally like, like people who, who love the genius. And again, if you're, if you're an hour and a half into a genius podcast, you love the genius. Well, how do we get our fix at home? Yeah, the resistance. The resistance is uh, it's like the jury game or rebels and loyalists. How many players do you need for that? Uh, I think a minimum of five. My favorite numbers to play with are seven and nine. The resistance is as elegantly designed and perfectly balanced a tabletop game as I've ever seen by anyone ever. It's like uh, werewolf, which is also called mafia or murder. Um, but the difference is, and I'm told that Crime Scene, which I haven't watched, is the same as those games. The difference is that in the Resistance, nobody gets eliminated from play. So everybody who's playing is to play the whole time. That's good. I'm also told that Coup, C-O-U-P, is the sword and shield game uh, from Season 3. And the one that uh, Huijong got eliminated on. That's right. All right. Um, and now all of this I learned from Bother's Bar, which is the first website where I found anybody talking about the genius. It's a British site. And somebody put a thread up of genius games and the board games from which they were derived. They named no. All right. So you're, you're learning this from the same places. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I was wondering if you had like, uh, like uh, guru like knowledge of all these different games, but. We're, we're both sort of like out there like trying to find these games. I think, was it Ian Terry who posted recently? Because I, I posed this question maybe in the Genius Facebook group. Um, and, and Ian Terry had a bunch of these games. But uh, yeah, Two I'm Rooms still, in a still, Boom. Two Rooms in a Boom by Tuesday Night Games out of Texas. Um, that? that is actually a game that I have played with your co-host, Mike. Um, I was uh, When I was in New York a few weeks ago, we met up at a bar and played Two Rooms in a Boom with a few other New York friends, including some... Um, uh, RHAP patrons. Um, so Two Rooms and a Boom is a super easy game you can play. It's a good game to play at a party. And um, I'll tell you how you play. It's really simple. You give everybody a card, and everyone's either on the red team or the blue team. It's a team win game. So half the players will win and half will lose. Most of the members of the red and blue team are just ordinary red and blue players, but one red member is the bomber. 
and one blue member is the president. The game is played in two rooms. So let's just say you're going to play in the kitchen and the dining room. And at the end, you played in three rounds. And at the end of a round, people swap positions as a hostage exchange. At the end of the game, if the bomber and the president are in the same room, the red team wins. Because at the end of the game, the bomb goes off and kills everybody in that room. If at the end of the game, the bomber and the president are in two different rooms, the president lives and the blue team wins. So it plays rather like Catch the Thief from season one. Um, and I don't think there's even really a good strategy for the game, but it's a lot of fun. And you don't have to, um, you know, if people are skeptical, like, ah, does this game have a lot of rules? Nope. You can play a full, the way I play it is I play like, a, you play it in three rounds. I play like a four minute round, a three minute round and a two minute round to begin. And then people go, oh, but that was too short. And I go, I know, but now that was 10 minutes and you know how to play the game. So this time we'll play with like, a six minute round, a four minute round and a two minute round or something like that. Um, That's great. So two rooms in a boom. It's available as a free print and play off the Tuesday night games and Tuesday night is spelled with a K bad choice, Tuesday night games. Um, uh, and uh, you can also buy it. They successfully funded it on Kickstarter. That's great. Right on. That sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. And um, wow. My, but you know, my next question is, is probably too big. For right now, because we're already we're already pretty deep into this one, but maybe we, maybe uh, when Mike is available, we can do this together. Maybe after the season, we can go. I'll give you. I'll give about, you a, a forty-five second answer. Sure. Uh, talk about the best and worst main match and death match games we've seen through four seasons of the Genius, which again mm-hmm. probably should be its own podcast. Maybe we'll make it one, but yeah, give me give me your uh, your Cliff Notes answer. My favorite main match is Food Chain. I love that game, uh, and uh, I guess. Uh, Colin doesn't like it. Uh, that caught me by surprise, but I love it. I played it for my birthday last year at my house. Uh, that's my favorite main match. Favorite death match? Um, I'll just say, uh, uh, oh, um, uh, oh, I'm, uh, oh, wait, sorry. I also really love the five and five game from season one for main matches. Um, but I did too, and I, I agree. Diamond Colin was saying that uh, it's a game you could never play again, and that's certainly true. You can never true, play but, it again. It's a tragedy. Um, but I realized, I realized once they once they announced the premise of the players, I said, "Oh my god, that's brilliant! That's yeah. so good! It's so good! It'd be interesting to see a version of it with tweets, uh, right? Like 140 characters. Anyway, um, uh, least favorite main matches, uh, I would say the. Um, investment and donation game the one that had the miser that i didn't think was good and um, everyone wanted to lose yeah it made it was like it was really easy because they were at that point of the game where it's more important to control who goes to the death match and so they all just raced to be the loser so i didn't care for that um and uh favorite death match um i mentioned uh, memory maze and laser chess i love those i like the ones with the pageantry um but all-time favorite deathmatch, I think probably uh, the first time Monorail was played. And I think that my preference is based mostly on what happened and how it happened, because that that was like a all-star moment of the genius, the uh, Dongman win at the Monorail game. That was uh, great. And least favorite deathmatch, I mean, I think I just got to say Tactical Yutnori. Although, you know, actually, you know what? I'd rather see Tactical Yutnori than Double-Sided Poker. Double-Sided Poker, I think, is a mess. Really, I mean, I agree. It's a mess. I don't think it's as bad as the game in season one. I I can't remember what it's called. I know it's also available as a card game, 
the one where you had to describe the picture that you put out. Oh, then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dixit. Uh, yeah, was, so that one's pretty bad. But oh, that, the absolute worst one was uh, uh, was Indian poker, where they had the TV screen where the players could tell you what you should do. That was that the worst. also turned out to be a mess. Yeah, because it's very easy for two people to control it, and there's nothing that anyone else can can do. Uh, okay, great. So that's that's our bridge dancer. And yeah, uh, if if you're willing, we'd love to after the season talk about everything that's going on. Um, I'm having uh, having another baby in a few weeks, so. Uh, my schedule is going to be a little crazy, but hopefully I'll find some time where I've had enough sleep that I can like think and talk simultaneously, and then we can do that. So that would be great. Uh, and before we go, I want to go through the the remaining players and figure out the likelihood of each one becoming the winner of this season. Because as we get down to it, we now know the winner of the Genie Season 4 will be Dongmin, or Hyunmin, or Jinho, or Kyungran, or Junseok, or Hyunghoon. So let's figure out the likelihoods uh, relative to each other. Of, of these players winning the game. What do you say? I'm in favor of it. I think the All number right. one number one spot, how do we do it from the top or from the bottom? We'll start from the top. I'd say the first surprises. Is Dong Min. Yes, he indeed is. And uh, to the point that like I'm I'm hoping he gets eliminated next week. I don't want Dong Min in, in on my TV anymore, right? on my on my monitor anymore. I'm done. He won season three. That's great. He's he's been a lot of fun to watch. But I want to see what these players do when they're when things aren't being run by Dongmin. Like I want to see what fills that that vacuum. You know, like what what's going to expand to take the place that where Dongmin was. We're at a point in the season with only a few episodes left that I don't think it it kills the show or kills the season. Uh, I think it's time. I'm I'm ready for him to lose Quattro or to lose uh, you know uh, double sided poker or or whatever. You know, to lose twelve Jangi. Uh, put him in Gil Hap against against Kyunghoon. You know, I'm I'm okay with it if he goes. But up, oh, are you still there? Again, he he became the winner. You know, he he was not in position to win. He convinced everyone. He convinced someone to lose so that he could win. Um, he's just he's in a great strong position. I don't see him going to too many death matches, and I think he's got to be the favorite. So who's in the next? Uh, I I would put uh, Jun Sok in second place. Yeah, you know, um, I don't think that's crazy. I don't know if I'm willing to go there. I still think, I still think Hyunmin um, is a is a really good player. I think he's really smart. I think he's got more political capital than Jun Sok. Certainly, he's less likely to be targeted to become the loser of a main match. He's less likely than Jun Sok to be picked to go to a death match. And so for me, I still have to have Hyunmin in second place. Even though I've seen more from Jun Seok, um, I, I just think that the social and political aspects of the game, that Hyunmin seems, more, seems better positioned to avoid death matches at this point, and that's so important. Yeah, I'd probably rate Jun Seok, uh higher. He's been to two death matches now and survived them. Uh, and I just think he's firing on all cylinders a little bit more. I think that when he and Hyunmin have had... Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say when, when Jin Sok and Hyunmin have gone up against each other, but usually Hyunmin has prevailed, but that's because he's playing with Dongmin and Dongmin is just owning this season. So by virtue of the fact that Hyunmin is associated with Dongmin more closely, I'll rank him higher than Jin Sok, but Jin Sok's talent, I think, puts him in the number three position. And then, for I, sure. think it, then I think it's kind of a drop off for the next three players. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's actually pretty... Pretty evenly spaced, and and this is my this is my shocker. But my number four spot right now is Kyunghoon. 
Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you can't put Jinho higher than Kyung Hoon uh, because of whom Kyung Hoon's been playing with and how he's doing. And Jinho is the icon of Fablungeon. So yeah, I mean, I, Jinho, Jinho, you could have made the case as as recently as last week, and I did that Jinho knows enough about what he's doing. He just he hasn't turned it on because he doesn't have to. And this week he turned it on, and what it was was bad. I mean, he made a move that that took a token of life off his lapel. You know, he yeah. Grant had the game. She was going to give him the token, and he turned it down and put himself in a position where he was he. He was this close to being picked for the death match. And I do not think that Jinho would have beat Kyung Hoon at same picture hunt. How how about this, Scott? Can we fairly describe Jinho as Gyul Hapless? Ho ho. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. Uh, but I do have Jinho in the five spot. He's after Kyung Hoon. And then then I think you get the drop off. <laughs> That's where the drop off is to uh oh cool King Rand's still here. Hey King Rand, you're still here? She's still here. Great. King Rand. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the drop off isn't in between the three. I don't know, maybe it's just kind of a sliding scale because King Rand's not that much worse than Jin Ho and Jin Ho. No, I I will say this though for Jin Ho, right? Like his his move towards the end of the main match was atrocious, but he knew what he was doing early on and he was driving the correct strategy to to get Kumran uh, lots of chips early on to help make her the winner, which again she should have been to get himself uh, a token of life. So yeah, I, he understood the game right away after the rehearsal. And this is also the same guy who, you know, just last season he won the chain uh, equation auction. So yeah. you know, he just he hasn't been turning on this season. I, I do think that he's liable to win any death match he goes to. Um, Although, actually, he did get curb-stomped in Tactical Yunori by Dongmin. So, I don't know. Maybe this is Jinho's, like... But it wasn't Jin- straight up. It wasn't just him against against Dongmin. It was, you know, it was still Yoan's game and ultimately Yoan's decisions about what to do there. Uh, and also, Jinho, remember, Jinho had been on television playing Tactical Yunori several times, going up against two opponents who had not been on TV playing Tactical Yunori. So, his his past strategy... And again, you can you can try to, to uh, counter that, but... You don't know if they know what you've done or not. If they don't know what you've done and you try to counter the counter strategy to what you're doing, you're putting yourself in a worse position. And if they do know and you don't counter, so it's that's a that was a tough spot. You know, I'll, I'll he was he certainly wasn't great in that game, but I'll give him I'll give him a little bit of credit that he was just in a really impossible position there. So, and again, you know these these rankings, right? Like we're putting Jinho fifth out of six, which sounds bad, but you know consider the competition, right? He's not. He's not a bad player, you know. I don't think he has a tiny, teeny little win equity. I just think that it's um, you, you've got such a strong field. Like he's a he's still a, a very strong player, but he just happens to be the fifth strongest player out of the six remaining. We've we've got the uh, the final six that that we deserve. I think, right? Yeah, he he made it this far. It's okay to be the fifth out of sixth as long as you make it to the sixth. So, anything else uh, you have to say about episode seven of season four of the Genius? Um. <laughs> All right. Well, that's my answer. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I think we covered it. Yeah. So, uh, again, uh, this has been Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. Mike has been out. Miles and I have been Miles. Miles, tell everyone how they can find you on Twitter or anywhere else you'd like them to find you. All my stuff is my name, which is my name, Miles Nye. M Y L E S N Y E. 
Uh, my first name is Miles, but spelled with a Y. And my last name is Nye, like Bill Nye, the science guy. I'm at Miles Nye on Twitter. You can learn more about me at milesnye.com. And uh, my business is wiseguyseevents.com. And to find out more about uh, the game of food chain that I played, you can read about that at playfolk.org. Playfolk is a club I started here in Los Angeles that's dedicated to rare and obscure games, which we get together and play every month. And if any of your listeners are in Los Angeles, reach out to us uh, any way you want, playfolk at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. We're Playfolk. And come and play a game with us. If you're a fan of the genius, we'd love to have you. Outstanding. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at who is Scott Green. You can find Mike at Michael Botta, B-O-T-T-A. Uh, make sure you let him know you, you want to hear from him next week. Say, hey, Mike, come on back. Um, Chingaya! Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have, him, we'll have him back next week. We'll, we'll wrangle him for you. But it's, it's really been a pleasure talking to you, Miles. We'll talk to you again later, hopefully about uh, getting a chance to talk to you about games on the Genius, and maybe we could come up with a definitive maybe top three and bottom three or something like that. So thank you so much for joining us. Again, for Genius Cast with Scott and Mike, I'm Scott along with Miles Nye. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Fighting!